excited for Galaxy's Edge. Yes. So no new ride for us. I don't think that opens till January there. So but like the December one is in, in Disney World? Disney World, yeah. Okay. But hopefully it won't be super busy because then. Yeah. Although I think it still takes like all day to get into the cantina there. Hmm. Which, eh, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, the only other thing I really want to do in Disneyland is... Star, Star Tours. Tours. Yeah. yeah. Get a little closer on the mic there. Star Tours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your, your mic's doing that thing where today it's it's quiet. Well, I'm right up on it now. Good. Mm. In your mouth. Um, it is. Don't be confused by the intimate setting. Yeah, it's, it's dark. It's moody. It's not quite dreamlike. Like the movie we're going to talk about. There's still, I don't have my lights up, so yeah. There's still shirtless Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Are you ready to begin? Yeah. Let's get this sausage before we, Before we begin this podcast, there's one thing we need to do. Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hit Cannon. I'm James. And I'm three children standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat named Marco Sparks. Hi. Hmm. 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 Is that how you think of yourself? Let's analyze that. Let's do it. Go for mm-hmm. it. Break me down. So do you see yourself as a combination of like three different like childlike ids? Hmm. Yeah. Or is perhaps one the ego and the one the super ego? I don't know how much ego or super ego I have. If you had to kind of say that you were three different like characters in children's movies like who would you be like are you part like mikey from goonies god part, damn it i'll be here all Elliot. night thinking of this yeah <laughs> god damn you fuck. sometimes i listen to other podcasts and they're doing their q a's and i'm just like we should just steal these and do them why because not? it's easier than thinking up our own questions why not yeah as long as you give them credit or, or not or just don't yeah. give them credit great artists steal mm-hmm Huh. I know. I know. Who would I be? I mean, that's maybe this will be their uh, our New Year's podcast, which, by the way, you never respond to that text. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to think the last time I've compared myself to a fictional character. I was wild. He just didn't respond to it again, right there. (laughs) I was thinking, I was rewatching an old episode of Seinfeld the other day, and I was trying to think, like, not now in 2019, who am I in Mm -hmm. Seinfeld? I'm curious who you are. Who are you on the outside? Who are you on the inside? We've always both been George, but we want to be Jerry. Let's put it that way. You think you think both of us are? Well, I definitely see George. <laughs> you think I'm a George? I think you you really want to be a Jerry, but I think maybe you're more of a George. Huh. Or maybe an Elaine. I definitely, that was the thing. I was like, I think it alternates that. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's a shade of George. But like definitely Elaine, and I don't know if it's on the inside or the outside. I think it switches. I, I mean, I suppose you have a little as, bit of Kramer in you. As Elaine has like also evolved over the course of that show. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like especially that moment when she finally takes on uh, Frank Costanza. And it was like, ooh. <laughs> I have a Which new one was that? Uh, I, what does that mean? That means whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> you want a piece of me? I will drop you like a bad habit. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was rewatching. I feel episodes. like I'm uh I don't know, not keeping up with my peers. I do not watch old 
episodes of TV at all. So mm. like for the whole friends office Seinfeld thing, I'm not into that or not part of that, I guess I should say. I didn't have a problem rewatching the office the one time. And then I felt weird. when It was like less than a year later. And I found myself rewatching the office. Um, and then I kind of, then you got to join the whole like Jim is secretly bad takes. And you know, I don't know. It's a sitcom. None of those people hold up. But then like the, the Seinfeld thing came out of like all the shows I'm behind on, but it was like, all the streaming services I pay for, fuck, I might as well use Hulu for something. So I yeah. started watching I guess it feels Seinfeld. weird to like intentionally go watch Seinfeld. I remember when the DVDs came out, I went and bought the first two seasons and I didn't watch them because like yeah, Seinfeld, Seinfeld is something where it's on somewhere, you know, on TV well, and I watch it because of that, but I don't go seek it out. Well, back in the days when you had a cord. Yeah, and you would turn on a TV like you're bored. It's like on TBS or well, TNT like our, or whatever. Our friend the other day that was like, like, what radio stations do you listen to? And we're like, dude, nobody listens <laughs> yeah, to the radio. I haven't listened to your radio stations since like 2002, buddy. Yeah, but he still does. That's, yeah, that's wild. Well, it's not surprising, but this is our friend. <laughs> Whose thesis statement is that VHS porn will always be superior to everything else. I mean, he has his reasons for it. Um, I guess it's, I don't know, you and I are both, to some extent, extremely online people. I wonder what it's like to be like him where he's extremely offline. He just like gets his news from like the radio show in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's his, his hot takes on Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like in like whatever... Yeah, like morning personalities. Some guy with like a like a funky name, like he's squeaky or he's Bubba or whatever. Like ugh, morning zoo nonsense. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. <laughs> one one, one of those guys tried to commit suicide or something. He was telling us. I like the sound of that. Oh yeah, because you named off some morning show, and it was, he was like, "No, it's so and so and so and so and so and so now," because that other guy tried to kill himself. <laughs> Anyhow. Hey, mental health's no joke in 2019, you guys. I guess it's kind of a chode, though. Okay. I guess, well, we already started the podcast. We can I guess this is kind this, of kick it up into the this next This is the gear. podcast we do, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> if you wanted a podcast by good people, you know what? It's free. Go, go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you wanted the trash that washed up on the beach in the morning, this is uh, headcanon. Anyway, New Year's podcast, we're going to revisit that question. I'll see if I can steal some questions from other pods as well. Yeah, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to show up for that podcast? Am I going to show up like yeah. like you're just sitting here in your room in your house waiting? Which, by the way, you're one neighbor next door who I've run into. It's like two wild girls who live there. Um, I love their house now because they have all their Christmas lights up. They still have their Halloween lights up. Who? The girls who live literally across your driveway from you. Literally don't know anyone. And of course you wouldn't. I know. But of course you would. I've seen them walking their dog when I walk into your creepy neighborhood at night. It's not creepy. Eh, it's a little scary. It could be creepier. Yeah, it could be creepier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like real estate agent. <laughs> I need to come back in the dead of night to see how, how macabre this uh, neighborhood is. So, Marco, what are you watching? Um, so, you know, the same shows that we always talk about, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, yesterday I watched a film called Marriage Story. Really? Did you? I did. I really did. It's good. Okay. It's absorbing. It, uh, I don't know. How was it? It's very good. Was it, I, was it rough? Uh, no, it's a good film. Well acted. Um, 
I don't I, mean like like uh, pacing wise or you know production wise. I mean like emotionally, I, I, was it rough? Like like the whole Twitter thing where everyone's watching Merib's story and like sobbing together. I don't think I ever broke down to tears, but there's there's some definitely like emotional moments that would get you there. Um, I'm a little behind on like Bombach films, mm-hmm. so I would go ahead and say that this is his masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen like two of his, maybe. So the the movie's very interesting because it definitely skews towards Adam Driver's side as much as like you're meant to take a side. ScarJo is great whenever she gets to be like away from him and like talking about her drives, the things that she's wanted, the things that she's missed out on, etc. And so the two of them are really good, and especially together, but separately. And then you've got fucking Laura Dern who just brings all that shit together uh, mm. in a really great way. Uh, but you don't have Netflix. This is where you pat yourself on the back because you don't have Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. You know, back in the 90s, you'd pat yourself on the back for not having a TV. Mm-hmm. But now you pat yourself on the back for not having Netflix. Would you pat yourself on the back for not having a TV in the 90s? You don't remember that? No. The whole I don't own a TV people, like Mr. Gates. That guy was like fucking, he was a teacher at a high school fucking his female students. Yeah, I know. That's like your role model you here? No, that's no. Not a, I'm not no, saying that's no, a role no. model. You, you can do so much better. You're trying so hard to twist that. <laughs> you don't remember people like that back in the no. 90s that I don't own a television. Because that's, that's such a stupid, like, trying to be I different. think you're lying. I don't recall these people. Hmm. Or I did not associate with these people. The 90s was a very TV time. Yeah, but it was also, I mean, that was the era of selling out, you know, and like, which Whatever, is man. funny we, that just never even comes up anymore. We were in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were really on the on the cusp of any trends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were so TV that because you had like, what was it, like fucking satellite or whatever, we were so fucking jazzed to watch the Seinfeld finale three hours early. Mm-hmm. So it was like, hey, it's like 7.30, everyone. We just saw the ending of Seinfeld. <laughs> Woo. Therefore, we're better than you. Which that lasted for about two hours. And then everyone else saw it. It's a marriage story. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and on Netflix. Maybe I'll download it eventually. You should. We'll see. Okay. Which is I mean, I guess I'll I'll be pirating The Witcher at some point. But you got got your priorities. I'm not paying Netflix sixteen dollars a month to watch TV because like their 4K plan's outrageous. Is that what it is now? Sixteen? Yeah. Hmm. And I I don't know. I don't really feel like they're good for the industry. So Hmm. anyhow. So the shows that we we always talk about? Oh, you got the Watchmen, or just Watchmen, actually. Yeah. Um, great, great show. The ending of that last episode. It's really like, I feel like Lindelof has like called his shot and is hitting it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's theoretically just one season, right? So uh, so what he said, he was pressed on it recently, and he said that he does not doubt that there will be a second season of Watchmen. He does not know who will be involved with it, mm. because whatever that story is, if it's going to be him, he has not thought of it yet. Huh. Okay. So I think he said that like the Christmas break, they were going to sit down and see if they had anything <laughs> they wanted to do. Because like, you definitely feel how everything has been set up is coming it's together. It's been a really satisfying season. Like it's, it's becoming much, like you're seeing how complete it is now. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like it's not, I think you, maybe if you just watch the first episode, you might think like, well, this kind of like has some like references to Watchmen, but it's kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, no, this totally feels like it has the DNA of Watchmen in it. And it's this totally other thing, too. You know, well, like I have a friend who doesn't know anything about the, the graphic novel other than it exists. Um, has been watching the show, has been enjoying it. And the only time I think that she's really had to stop to go to the Internet to get some kind of further download has been Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Because 
everything else I think is set up in some fashion. Like you really don't need to know a lot about like Dryberg or like the comedian or like, yeah. yeah, you don't really need to know a lot about that. Um, if you've, if you read the comic, you totally get Laurie now. Like mm-hmm. you totally get why she'd be this way. But uh, Dr. Manhattan is so weird <laughs> that even the glimpses that the show has given you over the years, like it's like, well, we, you might, you might feel like you need more. He's a giant blue man walking through Vietnam at one point <laughs> with a big old swinging dick. Uh, no, not at that point. He's still wearing the, the yeah, tighties. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How, how did that, uh, I mean, I guess we're spoiling somewhat Watchmen if people should go watch it. Um, yeah. Had the uh, last episode grab you there, a little uh, reveal at the end. Oh, I loved it. Uh, apparently people predicted that online. I don't know. I haven't like really been like deep into the Reddit mm. on Watchmen or anything. So it was a surprise to me. Uh, I, once it got there, I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. I mean, the whole people are like the ex cow Abar thing, well, whatever. I mean, I don't you know, like five minutes beforehand, whatever. I was like, oh, that must be what's going on. You know, like yeah, you yeah. get it at a certain point, but not like right up. Which the is end. which is how Lost yeah. was, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, no, I I fucking loved it. Um, there's like two more. Two more. Yikes. Love the uh, I mean, what a needle drop for the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross version of Life on Mars at the end. Yeah maybe like the best needle drop of the year like tv wise what a what a weird it was so perfect yeah but what a weird thing for us to be (laughs) talking about this instrumental cover of this like 40 year old song is like the best but it was perfect it really it was was like it was like not just like instrumentally well but in so many ways there's like so many layers to like why that's the perfect song for that moment yeah yeah for the story for the comic for the fact that trent reznor and david bowie were like like David Bowie got Reznor off heroin or whatever. Well, like the <laughs> the song itself is like a meta commentary on yeah. entertainment anyway. You well, know? look at the policeman beating up the wrong guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Literally referencing real life on Mars. I don't know. It was, it was perfect. And it was, I don't know, the instrumentation of it, like the arrangement of it. Like, I don't know. It's like this weird little glimpse of hope at the end of like a dark episode, you know. I've been downloading the soundtrack since they come out. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, in uh, shows that aren't quite as good as Dark Materials. Have you been watching that? I haven't got past the first one. Seriously? I could not. How am I supposed to complain to you if you haven't caught up? I love those books so much. And I hated that first episode so much. It's just really aggressively mediocre, I feel like. Like like Will just showed up, right? Yeah, they already brought Will into it. Which, okay. <laughs> it, I don't know. To me, it's just like. Sometimes with these adaptations, I'm like, you know, the author wrote it that way for a reason, right? Yeah. Like, there's a reason they don't bring in this character to the second book and, like, that you meet him a certain way. Right. Maybe that was intentional and not right. just, like, the author didn't think to put him in there till then. And the note that telling you about, essentially, the multiverse. Yeah. And the way it does it, yeah. Um, so, very knowing very little about so where... You, you haven't experienced Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, Lee Scoresby, though. How is that? That's, I, that's what I'm dreading the most. I can't even describe it. It's like, it's like, wow, that's a choice. Wow. He wow. seems, I don't just like Lee Manuel wow. Miranda, but he just seems like the worst casting. It's like, well, we couldn't get uh, Sam Elliott. So whatever the opposite of that is, that's what we went for. You know, like, it's like not even trying to Let be Let me throw out a name for you. You tell me if this would be good TV show casting mm-hmm. for this character. Clive Owen. Uh, I mean, Clive Owen has like a certain, he, he's got a sleaze factor, I guess. I mean, he's definitely gettable. Um, Scoresby. I mean, like Clancy Brown, you know, literally anything, especially a guy of a certain age. 
Well, there's nothing. I don't know. His the way Lin Manuel Miranda's playing him is really weird, and it's like a, it's like not really the character. Mm. Like he's like this weird like sleazy pickpocket, and it's just like what what the fuck is this? Hmm. I didn't see like the, it's it's not as though he's like trying to play him the way Sam Elliott is. He's going like a completely other direction. I didn't see the Mary Poppins. Is that a sequel? I guess it's a sequel. It's a sequel, yeah. I that seemed odd to me too because like I, I thought he was supposed to be playing the Dick Van Dyke character, and that seems like not quite the same. I think he fills that same slot or archetype. But he's not the same character. I don't think he's the same character. Because I'm like you're you're just setting him up for failure if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, I don't dislike Lee Man Miranda. Like Hamilton's fine. Um, he can be funny and hard edged. Like he's he had a great I mean, like a, cameo in like difficult people where he played on his image. It was a bad sign when he was introduced in his uh balloon, like singing. And it was just like, oh right, because it's Lynn Manuel Miranda, we have to have him sing. Okay. And then it just went downhill from there. I don't know. The show just isn't very good. It like I don't I was really excited about this show all year I was like oh it's gonna be fucking great and I don't know why now because I'm like wait Jack Thorne has never done anything good why are we excited about this what I would say to you and to the people who've been excited about the show version is did you not see the trailers (laughs) we were just hoping man (laughs) because I saw we were just hoping I saw the BBC trailer like I found that online and they showed the exact same trailer a few months later at Comic Con people Mm -hmm. got excited and I remember thinking like why like it doesn't look good i think the hope was that like because the movie itself wasn't terrible it was just like really compressed yeah and then they cut off the ending yeah and so it was like well maybe if you just had more time to tell the story it'd be fine Mm -hmm. and this show is like okay we have more time to tell the story but like i i don't know if it's entirely because like they don't have enough time to shoot with daphne keen or what but they're just like Lyra is only going to be in like 40% of the show and it's going to be a whole lot of cutaways to like what Boreal's doing in the, uh, in the different world. And it's, and it's just like not good. And it's super boring. You're just like, why am I watching all these like scenes that are not Lyra and not in the book? Well, I had no problem at all, like whatsoever with the Ruth Wilson casting, but I didn't like how they presented her in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, this is such a immensely important character with, with, with presence and you're, God damn, you're shitting the beds. Like you're just like placeholdering her. And then I was kind of worried about McAvoy, but McAvoy was fine. Like he, he seems hasn't like been in it again. So he hasn't been in it again. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because he's not really in the book mm-hmm. again for a while. But like the TV show version of that kind of bastard, fine. It got McAvoy. It is weird to me that like, okay, you need to like I don't know, pad the runtime or like you you don't have enough Daphne Keen availability, so you have to like shoot other stuff. Why not do more Azrael? Like, why are you doing more Lord Boreal? He's like a totally minor character who's not particularly interesting. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know, it, it just you're fucking up all the material from book two. You know, is it the same introduction of Will? No, no, it's like, it's like this is the beginning of people like being interested in Will's mom, and you know, like so it's stalking like a, like in her prequel Will. Yeah, stuff. okay, yeah, it's it's just in not an good. Alternate universe. Or like presenting like you don't know it's an alternate universe. No, you know it is. You, okay. you know it's the real world. Okay. Or our world or whatever, you know. Um, <sighs> yeah. Um, and they they haven't done a good job with the Damons really. Like there was in the fifth episode that aired, it was the kind of the big moment where they find the kid without the Damon. Mm. But like if you hadn't read the books, I feel like you would have no idea what's going on there. Is there something where I read online where like Coulter can separate from the monkey? Seemingly, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is... I suppose you could say very vaguely hinted at and like one time in the books, 
but well, here's the funny thing is I watched a whole scene of the Egyptians in that first episode before I was like, oh yeah, this is the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so does it seem like it's on track to do the same ending of the book at the end of the season? Guess. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It just, I don't know. Like, do you remember, um, what about the witches? Have they shown up? Yeah. Serafina showed up. She's okay. I Who's guess. Serafina. Uh, Serafina. Yeah, who in the, in the show? Oh, who? I don't, I don't know. Rita something. I, I can't remember her name. Oh, Rita um, something. What was it in the um in the disastrous Q and A that Benioff and Weiss did? Wasn't there a detail somewhere in there? Like one of the few non problematic things they said was about how like they got better at the battles every year because their crew it was like the same crew, so they like got more experience over time. Do you remember anything something, about that? Something like it, that. It makes me wonder like where is that crew now? And like if only they were doing this show. Like it, it just seems like the people making the show. Or like starting from scratch on how to do a big production like this, and oh, it good. you can tell, you know, like I don't know. I guess HBO probably still has those guys doing like the new Game of Thrones show. I guess which would be funny to me because I'd be like, I would like covet that crew if I was like making The Witcher or something like that. I'd be like, give me that crew just because of like the whole what is that fucking lawyer show? What's his name in Santa Fe? Where it's like. Oh, wasn't that, yeah. wasn't that solely a favor to like do that spinoff so that crew would still have a job because <laughs> they live in a it, town it, where it, like where how else are they going to get work in their industry? Yeah, like the New Mexico film industry. I mean, I think this would just be more like like who else has the experience of doing like a big sprawling like fantasy show, especially in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you like there's like when they go to the north, it's like wow, that that's a lot of grass there. You know, that's not a whole lot of snow I'm seeing when wow. you're in the north. It kind of looks like you're just like on the coast of Scotland or something. And Snow Guy in the uh, Game of Thrones documentary was was great. Mm-hmm. I love Snow Guy. He's just like, I don't know what I'm doing here in Spain. <laughs> you don't need me snow. Yeah. the shows, that, that Game of Thrones documentary was a lot of fun. It was. His Dark Materials isn't terrible. It's just like, it's very average. It's It's not particularly well-crafted or smart about anything it does it's kind of like like just like you just got a uh, a c c minus the c version of the show happening yeah you're not lighting a fire under my ass no i kind of want you to watch more just to see lee scoresby and just be like what the fuck is but he's like not into like episode four four. episode four god that's a big ask um have you ever caught up on mr robot no sorry I will. I keep meaning to, and then I just have other stuff to do. I like that you dropped off right before like the big black hole. I know. Okay. It's looming now. Well, like the this last episode, I'm very perplexed because there's like still two, maybe three episodes. I think there's thirteen this year. And this was like episode nine. Mm -hmm. And so this feels like the maybe the episode before the episode. Mm. And it's like, what the fuck are you gonna do for four episodes? Uh, so you have not seen this week's Mandalorian. No, I have not caught up on the Mandalorian. It's the worst one. So I know the big thing is like Amy Sedaris has like the Ripley wig from the first alien movie. She's really bad in it. I'm sorry. I know Ooh. people like Amy Sedaris. The, it is rough. Ooh, she's target on your back. It's just like it. It feels like the vibe they were going for was like the holiday special. But this is Filoni again, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Written and directed. So he's got no one else to blame. Yeah, it's, it's been nice, I guess, at least to see he's getting kind of like exposed a little by trying to do live action mm-hmm. because uh, like I, I took a look online. The reviews are definitely much more mixed than they were at the start of the season. People are just kind of starting to be like, hey, uh, 
that sucked. That was just a bunch of fan service, you know? Mm, mm. It's like, oh, you went to Tatooine and you made a joke about the high ground. And you you go did Tatooine? A, you did a she's no good to me dead joke. And then, oh, this, this is the same bar. It's the same cantina. And, oh, there's a guy who kind of looks like Han. He's in the same pose as Han in the booth in the cantina. And, like, it's just, like, nothing but fan service references. Like, if you go look at, like, why people are, like, like happy about the episode on, like, Reddit, mm-hmm. they're just, like referencing fan service it's not like ooh, that was a cool story or i liked the character progression it's just like easter egg fan service is like the only thing people get enjoyment from in the show mm. and there's barely any baby yoda i mean what's uh, it really it kind of makes me think but that show needs to end before he gets too old right like i know the whole thing about like who should voice him for his first words it's like I mean, he I ages kinda, pretty fucking slowly so i don't I think that's say, really a concern i was like i don't I don't actually want that. I think I want him to still be like uh, like Baby Lisa from The Simpsons. He's not talking at fifty years on, so yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think that's a concern. Like give me five years of him just cooing, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm good. But I, it it does make me wonder if like is the show that Filoni wishes he were making like not the Baby Yoda show because Baby Yoda is only in the very end of his first episode, mm-hmm. and he's barely in this one too. It's like Mandalorian just like. Sticks him with Amy Sedaris and like runs off to do a mission. This is the one he wrote and directed, though. Wrote and directed, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you made that decision to have barely any Baby Yoda in your episode. Why is that? Do you wish you were making the Oh my God, the Mandalorian is so cool bounty hunter show instead? (laughs) Filoni's like, I found the ceiling of my skills. Well, meanwhile, can we talk about for all my complaining about the fucking Mandalorian like biting into Rise of Skywalker's like promo cycle? They have gone into hyperspace on that show. Oh, they've gone aggressive. I am fucking loving it. And what's beautiful is that for all the people who like are concerned about how much we're seeing in these trailers, it's like less than eight minutes of footage. And that's the way it all is. Every yeah, time, but I mean, for know? like a two hour and 20 minute movie, it's like we're not really being spoiled all that much. <laughs> God damn, it's so good. What do we got? Two weeks now? Less yeah. than two weeks? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Well, anyway, The Mandalorian, um, more Baby Yoda. Yeah. Less... That, that episode is literally just like a weird side mission that it didn't even like build character. Like there was nothing we learned in that episode really that was like, oh, we, we discovered something new about Mandalorian or, you know, we had a character beat from him or there's like a new plot point. It was just like, oh, he just goes to Tatooine and hunts a bounty. So you've been like apparently rewatching the prequels recently? Working my way through them. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, get all the way through all eight. Okay. I'm not daydreaming. There's extensive scenes of Django with no helmet, right? <laughs> yeah, all all that all that. No, like he puts on a weird headset at one point when he's flying his ship. There's a Mandalorian character in the Rebel show that doesn't wear a helmet, so that's, okay. I guess some sort of like new discipline after like I don't we, know. We, like, I'm, oh, I'm Orthodox Mandalorian. After, yeah, <laughs> after the purge or whatever. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. do, uh, well, like when he takes off. What if, what if he just turns out he's like like a fucking Amish person, you know? Well, he flies a spaceship. So I mean, I but, you know, like basically he's just like a weird fundamentalist. What if he's got one of those fucking hideous where like it's a beard, but there's no upper lip facial hair? See, I think it, they should eventually take the helmet off and he just has like an incredible mustache. See, when you say incredible, what are you saying? Are you saying Tom Selleck or are you saying Fu Manchu? Not Fu Manchu. Are you saying Brana Perot? yeah yeah something like that because i would i would only be into that is if there's like something that's hanging out of the helmet and like for year, like months we're like speculating what it is and he takes off the thing and you're like oh shit that's his disgusting mustache 
and it's always wet. Oh, so he takes the helmet off. You saw episode four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he is at a fucking window. <laughs> He's fifteen feet away from people. <laughs> He's literally watching people. All they can do is look over and be like, "Oh fuck, who is that mongoloid?" He's like, "Ah, my religion." Puts his helmet back on. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, what are you listening to? Uh, I have been um, figuring out like the the final touches of my end of the year 2019 playlist. What about you? Oh yeah, I have done a little of that myself. Yeah, I only have 13 songs. I I don't know. I'm old. I don't I don't have a lot of new music. Okay. Well, you do you. Mm-hmm. Any uh, highlights you want to give us? Highlights? No, not really. I can tell you how many songs. I've like that. Up. I mean, other than like for whenever I'm working on something, I've been listening to the Watchmen. TV mm-hmm. soundtrack because it's really good. I do take out the uh, spoken word bits just because they can interrupt my flow. Right. Um, so there's like, so again, how do you how do you do your how do you do your end of the year playlist again? Because I think we I do our one. I don't okay, so throughout the year, I decide like this is a song that I listen to a lot or it's meant something or mm-hmm. it's whatever. And then I just add it to this playlist and then I check it. So there's like 85 songs Jesus at the moment. Christ, I have 13. Okay. Three of them are from the Jenny Lewis album. So, wow. <laughs> You've done a lot of hard living this year. Okay, cool. So anyway. what have you been listening to besides that? Um, a little bit of Elton John. Go on. That's it. Really? Just feeling Elton John. I think it was, uh, Merlin was like singing Elton John songs in one of the last two by Fridays. Okay. Got in my ear. Elton's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you I think? It's going to be a long, long time. Mm-hmm. What are you reading? Uh, so I started the Gwyneth Deception. I think I talked about at the end of or beginning of our last episode. I had to pause it to reread Mistress of the Art of Death by Ariana Franklin, which is a, a book that I really enjoy. It's like a, I don't know, historical mystery, medieval mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Sit during the time of like Henry the Second. Now I'm I'm back to Kirsten White's Guinevere Deception. All right, I can't say I'm really reading anything right now. Did you finish the Book of Dust? No, I really should have like two chapters left. Okay, maybe you just say ring it. It's it's like with Mister Robot, you know. I assumed that you had just read about what that episode was about, and you were like, I, had not, I don't want to go there. No, I, I haven't. I just I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to go to a place where you're like. You're like, oh, I could have guessed that. Yeah. It's the veriness of it. It's just blah. Anyway, I guess we should uh, get to the top of our podcast now. Are you in the right headspace to talk about Eyes Wide Shot? <laughs> Can one ever be? <laughs> so we're going to do Eyes Wide Shut, 1999 scene Kubrick movie, his last movie. Immaculate Christmas classic. Sure. I mean, I suppose you can call it a Christmas movie feels right to me okay feels right do you have an opening statement uh i can, I can probably meander through some thoughts uh mm-hmm. yeah so again <laughs> 24 hour period i've watched eyes wide shut and marriage story which is a brutally absorbing wild ride i was looking for the right screen cap to do a, a marriage story joke on twitter but i didn't get around to it I've, i found some i was gonna make that same joke um so i've heard like things to, people talk about like interesting movies and how they're either like puzzles or dreams and I think this movie is clearly both. Uh, I mean, Jesus, man, the, the fucking ways you can describe it. It's gorgeous. There's mystery. There's eroticism. There's abjection. There's fucking and cucking. Um, 
it feels a bit off. It feels a bit artificial in places. And I don't know if that's like the intention or unintentional because they filmed this piece for 400 fucking days and it's got this massively hypnotic tone to me. Um, I think you and I saw this together. Mm-hmm. Lucy is a Jackie with a friend. Yeah. And we never saw her again after this. No, that was jawbreaker that we never saw her again after. So watching this movie, she was like, yeah, I'll watch movies with you guys in the future. And then the next time she came over, we were like, let's watch Drawbreaker. And she's like, lose my number. Never be seen again. Yeah. I saw, so, you know, I was probably like I don't know, 18 or 19 when I saw this. I, I, I'd had started having sex before this, but I think this movie. You were she, 17. No, because I had, I had left high school. So I would have been 18. This was 1999. Yeah. In May. Was it May? Mm-hmm. No, I would have been out of high school, so probably probably eighteen. But I probably had sex before this. But this movie, don't don't comment on my life. Like, don't be the authority of my life that you don't know anything about my life. <laughs> I know when your birthday is. <laughs> but I I had sex before this movie. But like, this was the one where like did I you have sex before this movie? Yeah, I was okay. trying to say it before you keep fucking interrupting me. <laughs> but this was the movie where I realized as a teenager who didn't know everything that like there was still a lot that i didn't understand <laughs> which is partially this movie and partially just people was this your you uh u-turn was u-turn your u-turn i mean u-turn is by something <laughs> this was something it wasn't a u-turn mm-hmm. the u-turn the movie by oliver stone of sean penn and, and jennifer lopes is what we're, we're, we're referencing here if you haven't heard of it good keep mm-hmm. it that way <laughs> um, what was the tagline for that <laughs> If you find yourself uh, passing through, just keep going or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great tagline for that movie. It really fits the movie. God, that movie's fucking weird. Uh, but I remember like being so excited about this because I, you know, had just discovered Kubrick probably in like the last year and a half before mm-hmm. this. There was all kinds. He was so secretive. There's all kinds of theories and rumors. They were all lurid. We had no idea what this movie's about, except that there was something in the way of an orgy that had to have like CGI observers installed to block the fucking um i really should be having a white claw shouldn't i well, let me finish my coffee first go. drink this all right hold on oh i got the uh ruby grapefruit just drink it right now mm-hmm. just chug that thing um i mean should i should i continue by all means is that okay with you yes okay I want to make sure. This is good radio. I don't want to step on your mm-hmm. your thing. Um, I know this has been your shtick for like years My of our shtick. podcasting enterprises. Just busting your balls a little. Yeah, and you love that. Mm. I mean, why don't you, you don't. Don't, why don't you polish them while you're at it? <laughs> Anyways. See, there we go. There we go. Is that what you want? Yeah. Right? Just be, uh, before I finish, there's one thing we need to do. Um, anyways, rewatching this movie, I found it to be a very interesting journey. Shaped like a mirror. Cruz's character is a cipher. I think that's the point because that was my complaint initially halfway through the movie. And then I think that's the point you're supposed to put him on like a mask and like wear him throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is super informed for me by the fact that he tells her how women think or don't think at one point. And then she just delivers the sexiest meta thesis statement of if you men only, only knew. knew. That'll be the title, by the way. The title should be Fidelio. Eh. Title should be Fidelity. Okay, fine. Um, anyways, in conclusion, sir, this movie has an impeccably perfect last line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious. When is the last time you saw this movie? Uh, today. Before today. <laughs> See, there you go. 
Is that, is there that what you, you want? That's is what that... I want. That's what I've only ever wanted. That's very toxic. Mm-hmm. This, this could be a healthy relationship. I, I don't know if you know that, but it can be. We're having fun. <laughs> I'm having fun. That's all that matters you before matters today. To you, you self-destructive car wreck of a person. <laughs> uh, it's probably been 10 years. See, I'm pretty sure I maybe saw this like once on video, like right after it came out. But yeah, it's probably 20 years almost since I've seen it. So like two somewhere between like 2000 to like no later in 2002, I bought a book at a used bookstore that was in the same book was like the screenplay, the original novel. And then there was like a, a section from the, the screenwriter just mm-hmm. talking about the writing process of Kubrick. So that was like my last real didn't you like never meet Kubrick or something? No, he would okay. meet him like once a week. They would have like a 45 minute meeting. He would get notes from Kubrick and he would go off and write for a week and come back and Kubrick would give him more oblique notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then the guy later spilled the tea about like, obviously people came in and edited this movie before its release after Kubrick turned in his cut. I mean, you could, uh, you could go to some conspiracy theory places with yeah. all that, you know, but I mean, his, it was, it was sudden death. It was the most obvious person came in and edited the movie sydney pollack yeah. yeah yeah um yeah i don't have much of an opening statement really i uh i don't even really know how to speak until you want to start now oh, oh i'm sorry i'm sorry oh you know we actually weren't recording uh yeah i don't really know if i have anything intelligent to say about this movie it feels like i can come up with something but it would just seem uh like jocular obtuse like such as the legend of stanley kubrick it's like his his legend is so massive and they shot for 400 days that like you could just say everything is intentional yeah and be like no he meant it that way no that's all calculated or you could say it's all a mistake yeah i mean maybe it's just a basic relationship movie or maybe kubrick was trying to warn us about jeffrey epstein 20 years in advance um all i know is this if nicole kidman in this movie told me to jump off a bridge i would yeah oh it's just definitely awoken a certain kind of attraction for me tall glass of water yeah that's like scalding hot and it's ready to burn me mm-hmm. all like, right shall we get to our top yeah like what are we watching this movie half the movie i was just like just step on me nicole um how many moments do you have i got four honorable mentions and then the top three i could go to eight go to eight some of them are pretty minor you really wonder like every time we do this if you just have like 20 and you're just like there we go do you want me to turn the monitor around and show you that i have eight no. Okay. I'm not saying you're lying. I'm okay. just curious. No. I You seem like a versatile guy. Now I'm holding back a joke. But I don't want to I don't want to be rude. Mm-hmm. It's totally at your expense. Good. Good. <laughs> I didn't want that to be lost. It's not a self-deprecating mm-hmm. joke. I'm not humble like that. It's totally about you. Mm-hmm. Uh my number 8 is it's so minor. It's the bald guy following him on the street for just that few minutes. Oh, the stalker. Well, the guy just like stops in the street and they're just staring at each other for a full minute. I fucking love that because it's so spooky. It's so I feel like that's paranoia like the, thriller. At least to me, were you ever wondering during that part of the movie, is this is this actually like a sinister thing happening or is it like a is he being paranoid for nothing? Like right, did yeah, that did yeah. that ever cross your mind? Well, so the, let's get into one one thing about this movie right mm-hmm. here. 1999 is a great time because they're still pre 9-11 and we can talk about what glorious shit pigs all New Yorkers are. This isn't like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Even we don't have to pretend. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to pretend like New York is some kind of great fucking place. <laughs> These people are all cretinous mutants. 
So this is probably could have been some fucking weirdo on the street who's like just like staring at Tom Cruise because everyone in this movie is fucking in love with Tom Cruise. It did make me think a little bit of the game, I guess. Oh yeah, like sure. you start to wonder like is this is this part of something or no? You know. Yeah, I mean, watching it again, even knowing the ending today, I thought. That. All right. Well, I'll get to my honorable mention number four. When Bill returns to see Domino and Sally is there instead, mm-hmm. and he gets the news. What a bizarre scene. And like the way she's like kind of into him, just like slowly, like, you know, unbuttoning her top and whatnot and feeling her up. And she's just like, yeah, but I got to tell you something. I really want to, when we go through the, the movie, I really want to get into that scene. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a beautiful story of two different things happening for two different people. Mm-hmm. He's a tit man in this movie. Tom Cruise. He yeah. loves just mm-hmm. getting in there and kneading that bread. Um, my number seven is the <laughs> goofy weirdness of the reunion between Tom Cruise and Nick Nightingale. And he walks up, he's like, Nightingale, Nick Nightingale. And he turns and says, Bill, Bill Harper or Harford. Mm. They go and get a drink. They keep like tapping each other and like there's rubbing a lot each of other. weird like gripping of shoulders the and body language. Sort of, yeah. Like, Cruise has his arm around this guy like as they're walking and Nightingale just keeps his hands in his fucking pockets the whole time. And then when they get to the Sonata Club, I was like, these guys might have sucked dicks. Mm-hmm. Like in Each like other's. In medical school. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm, I'm sorry. Was mm-hmm. I? Yeah. In medical school. Yeah. They have a. The physical energy is so weird because it's. It, it's like slightly too much. Like it's slightly too handsy, but not so much that like someone would make a scene out of it, I guess, you know? But like you notice it when it's, you're watching it. Would you say it's Biden esque? Yeah. 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 Like Cruz is just dying to like give someone a, a back massage well, they don't want. That kind of element of control when you have your arm around someone else, you kind of like they can't get away, you know. Well, because he's his whole thing is that women like him, that they're attracted to him, and that he's respectful to them. So a man is where he can really don't think like that. Yeah. Yeah. But a man is where he can really dominate the physical space. I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where are we at? My number six. Yeah. Uh, Bill at the costume shop at night. Yeah. With the uh, homeless guy from Batman Begins. Razor Bejo. Milch. Razor Bejo was like, if you needed a a, a pseudo Russian bad guy in the 90s. He can be Russian. He can be from like the Balkan States. Yeah. Yeah. He was your guy. That was what he played for like six movies. And then he played this. Mm -hmm. Uh, My number six is got to be the way Nicole Kidman says when she's having her little titties squeezed. (laughs) You watch this movie and you're like, how did you not? How how could anyone not get divorced after making this movie together? You know? Well, especially when you find out how they were directed Mm -hmm. and everything. Like he is gearing them towards you. You talk. I'm going to do my my uh, my marriage story tweet about this movie. No, I mean, it. you read about the way, like, when they would do, when, or I guess she specifically would do nude scenes, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise wasn't allowed on set, mm-hmm. and she wasn't allowed to, like, tell him what Not happened during the shoot or for something. For six days when yeah. she's fucking the naval officer. Yeah, six days for, like, what amounts to, like, maybe, like, 30 seconds of cutaway footage or something. Well, and not just that, too, that... um even even scenes that they're in together, he would take them aside and whisper different direction. Different direction. Mm-hmm. But like always within sightline so that you knew that there was something your partner knew that you didn't. He like encouraged her to not quit acting because she's thinking about retiring. 
to like you know take care of her family um yeah i don't know maybe maybe the goal the whole purpose of this movie is for kubrick to just be like i'm going to save nicole kidman from the psychopath she's married to my my 6a because i guess i have i have eight and a half is uh the way nicole kidman says maybe not just now (laughs) yeah sorry uh let's see my honorable mention number two is when the hotel clerk alan cumming Mm. who i didn't remember is in this movie at all is uh he's kind of like dishing on nick nightingale Mm -hmm. and that like i'm watching that scene and i'm like did this happen or is he just totally fucking with bill here yeah because he like senses that bill's kind of like wound up and like he's into bill he's into bill but he also i feel like he senses that bill will believe anything in that moment. Yeah. You know, at the same time, at the end of all those scenes, which take a shot every time Bill shows you his fucking medical license. It's more hilarious every time yeah. too, because it's, it's like, it's also not a real nobody, thing. Nobody gives a shit that he's a doctor, but the thing he's showing, is not a real thing too. Mm-hmm. It's a thing they do in England, but not in America. Yeah. And then he's like, he gets this news and he's just like, okay, okay. I'm going to go imagine my wife just getting railed by this naval guy. But thanks. Uh, my number five is the very, very, very Kubrickian detour through the costume shop at night with Lily Sobieski and the fucking Japanese businessmen. Oh, shit. But you don't understand, Millage. We were invited by the young lady. You monster. She's my daughter. So the reason I brought up your age earlier is because I was only 18 when I saw this movie. And I think at the time... So you're saying that the summer... After your freshman year of... Or your, this was May 1999. You had been... Because you graduated from high school in 1998. Mm-hmm. So you went to, went to college. college. Mm-hmm. So you were only 18 the summer after your first year of college. Yes. Okay. I'm young. Ish. Anyway, the reason I mentioned your age and my age is because I don't think, and I don't know if you felt the same way or not, I the Lily Sobieski being as young as she is didn't register me the same way as it does when I watch it now. When I watch it now, I'm like, holy shit, she looks young. But at the time, she was like maybe like a couple years, you know, younger than me. So it didn't, I don't know, it didn't register the same way. Yes, but I thought she was definitely weird. She was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Also, my calculator says I was 18. I know when your birthday is. Do you know? Um. But yeah, she's definitely weird though. So I think that that part is so like a great me. little Kubrick girl moment, you yeah, know, with yeah. like her weird smile well, behind his back, that kind of stuff. Which is fascinating too, because in the book, like the original book this is based on, he has a weird erotic confession that he gives to her in return to hers. And it's about fantasizing about a teenage girl that they both knew. Yikes. Which, but also it's like, Mr. Lolita doesn't need to include that in his movie, but he yeah. does need <laughs> Sobieski. But it just, I don't know, it struck me watching it this time that like, I noticed much more how young she is compared yeah. to when I watched it when I was 18. And yeah. it was just like, oh yeah, it's just like a girl about my age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Number, number, my number four? Yeah, your number four. Uh, just the scene with Ziegler in the billiard room where he kind of tells Bill how it is. Mm. You know, and he kind of, tries a few different avenues you know kind of goes hard goes soft tells him it was all just a scare him and are we not doing phrasing anymore yeah um i find that scene fascinating because that talk about a scene where i feel like could this have been edited tighter like it's it feels like it's both 
too long. I think like the whole movie shot that out. way, though. Yeah, there's definitely a, a pacing situation. I mean, I don't, you could say that supposedly Kubrick's final cut was turned in four years, four days before he died. Yeah. Um, or I don't know the uh, powers that be had him killed because he was going to expose their uh, weird sex corruption. Who knows? Obviously, The Shining told us that that the moon landing was fake. Mm-hmm. This movie was to tell us that rich people were fucking on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four is. And this is where I get to the ones where I want them all to be crammed into my, my top three. But Nick Nightingale and Tom Cruise at the Sonata Cafe, where he's like, the way he's just like, I've actually got another gig later tonight. I have to play wearing a blindfold. And then the point where he's just writing down the password Fidelio mm-hmm. and the, the shot of Tom Cruise having to hold the napkin for him. That's when I was like, these guys could have dated. Like this could be like a serious and uh, uh, the other one thing. Uh, Lupin. Oh yeah, I could see them mm-hmm. having like had a relationship, but it's fitting. But there's like an intensity to the orgy later on, and I think we're so fascinated getting there. But the precision and the beginning of the immersion starts here, because he he's looking for whatever this fucking missing piece to himself is. And here's Nick Nightingale, like I've got something fucking weird. Do you aspire to have Nick Nightingale energy? Because I think I do. I was gonna say Nick Nightingale, which is a Riverdale name. <laughs> If ever there was one, mm-hmm. like if you don't tell me that uh, Veronica Lodge like had a paramour named Nick Nightingale in New York, but I kind of like this guy. Like rewatching this movie, yeah, it's Todd Field, like director in his own right, yeah. I think he directed in the bedroom. I don't know. My number three, and this, I don't know, this could be higher, but there's a lot of good moments here. Um, when Alice is drunk at the party, just all those scenes of her dancing with the Hungarian. The Hungarian sex vampire. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about this. This is why I thought this is gonna be a four-hour episode, and you're like, I've got no notes at all. There's things at that party that I could spend three hours on. Not even kidding. I mean, what she's doing with her voice there, she's definitely like elevated it to flirt with him. She's doing like, like really drunk acting. I could do 45 minutes in that scene. Mm-hmm. I could give you a half an hour on the bathroom. What about the, just the way he like takes her glass of champagne and oh, drinks it? God. Yeah. 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 That dude, it's a move. Some BD there. Yeah. That's some fucking Count Orloff shit right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I just realized I don't have the Hungarian in my rankings. Better put him in there. You, we'll, we'll wait while you put him in there. Okay. Um, my number three is Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing. Oh, you know, I didn't put that in there. I think I just saw the trailer so many times. Yeah, which is funny because that <laughs> teaser trailer is longer than the actual scene is in the movie. Mm-hmm. But we watch as she like turns from Sandor there, holding up her hand, showing off her ring with why she can't go fuck him in the sculpture gallery upstairs or whatever. Which, what a fucking Ziegler thing. He's got a sculpture gallery in his New York apartment. And then immediately we're with her. She's naked, hip swaying in the mirror, getting ready to fuck, feeling herself though. And then Tom Cruise, like, feeling her sexuality, her power, possibly her guilt. And then Tom Cruise just comes up and just starts, like, rubbing her boobs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Ooh. Kissing her. Yeah. I, love, I love boobs. Yeah. And, like, he's missing all of it. So you're not a boob man, are you? Oh, I don't dislike boobs. Okay. What do you mean he's missing all of it? The, the, the real communication is between her and herself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The Kubrick's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie is both... An incredible service to her, an incredible disservice to her as a female character. I mean, he fucking loves utilizing her body <laughs> as an object in this movie. 
Yeah, you don't really see her utilizing his body ever. And he's like 5'3". I mean, one of the amazing things in this movie is that somehow it, the way it's shot, it makes it seem like he's almost as tall as her the whole time. He's got to like listen or something, right? Well, like, so the opening shot where they're leaving the bathroom, where she's mm-hmm. peeing and they're leaving, you can tell, I think, because of how they have to go to wide to close-ups or whatever, like he's definitely shorter than her. She's like two feet taller. Yeah. And then, yeah, when they enter the party... When it's just a tight on the a two I think shot, they're like forced perspective there or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I feel like Robert Downey Jr.'s career probably got better when he got Tom Cruise's lifts. Yeah, because I don't know how old I I would guess she's like at least five ten, right? Let me Google that. I feel like this is in our podcast bingo. Googling how JT, tall JT googling how tall actresses are. She's five eleven. I'd rather you Google that than her feet. What, why am I googling her feet? People, not a, not a foot Google guy. feet. Mm-hmm. Which, like Quentin Tarantino. Of all the fetishes you shouldn't kink shame, I think feet are the one I look down on the most. Okay. Uh, where are we at? Nine number two? Yeah. Just the fight. Oh. Okay. When uh, she starts smoking a little pot and it's like, you can just tell she's she's been mad and like looking to get into it. And he's like, he keeps trying to defuse it by like giving like the kind of perfect answer, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, she's just like, Nope, we're going to keep digging until I get you to say something to piss me off. We'll get into it. But there's a line that he has that any other movie, that would be the big romantic closure, Mm -hmm. but not in this movie. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mine. She saw him flirting with those two girls and then he disappeared. Yeah. Mine is related. It's just the confession. The the man she saw on vacation. And that's when you first saw him. I actually saw him earlier in the hotel. And she says basically like, if he had wanted me, I would have given up everything to be with him. And he starts his whole like, you know, blah, 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 blah about women. And she says, if you men only knew. Because he's really trying to be the like good guy who's just like, I wasn't interested in them. I don't think about girls that way ever, you know, and, and he basically says like, and you know, I know you wouldn't either. And she's just like, Oh, buddy. Well, I think, I think there was this thing in the nineties where the version of the nice guy rep- respecting women was like, women just want to be provided for. And then if they get that, they will be great partners. And that's how we be equal. And it's, well, it's like, not ever really women are acknowledging allowed, her like sexual appetite. Yeah, women are yeah. allowed to like want orgasms and only orgasms too, if that's what they want. Yeah. I think we're going to have the same number one. I hope. I, I wonder. When you watched the uh, video or the movie today, what version did you watch? Did it have those little CGI statues in it? Oh, I don't think so. Mine did not. Because I downloaded it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. No, we're both talking about the orgy for number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all that, that, that whole, the yeah. whole mansion. <laughs> the whole oh, thing. shit. I love all that. <laughs> From the first mention of Fidelio. Yeah, all the way. I mean, the people doing weird occult ceremonies, they kick it off. The cryptic warnings of being in danger. Casually strolling from well-decorated, grand well-decorated rooms to watch groups, serenely watching like wild group sex. Kate Blanchett doing an uncredited uh, voice work. Yeah. Uh, and brilliantly, this is the exact middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're into this underworld. They're in this maze. They've traveled in there. And now they're going to travel out of it. And the rest of the movie will be this weird mirror where everything's different. Mm-hmm. But all of that shit. They, that doesn't seem comfortable with the, with the ladies when they're on their knees and they have to bend over to kiss each other. Like, that seems like a twist of the spine. It's not. 
Well, you know, I was I was watching that Good. scene like as it starts and like when he just kind of like walks around the corner and there's this insane like ceremony happening. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, how would I react if I found myself <laughs> in this situation? And it like just like it. I guess it's a little weird to watch now because my first reaction was like, I guess I just kind of like try to like not bring attention to myself in the corner. Like, I guess I don't know. I'm not against it necessarily, but then I was just like, oh wait, but like we live in a world where we know about Jeffrey Epstein now. Like, like who knows what kind of crazy sex trafficking has happened to like, you know, get into the scenario. I suspect Epstein wasn't doing anything this classy. Yeah, but it just, I don't know that that was in the back of my mind through that whole scene though. was like, like the people that this is supposedly, uh, so did you like feel like guilty watching part of this or something because of the Epstein? Not guilty, but it just, I don't know. It changed my perspective on it. Okay. You know? Okay. Cause I was trying to remember like what the fuck I thought watching this in the theater. And I don't think I thought anything. I think I was just like, Oh shit. Blown away. Yeah. yeah. And like just gripped. Um, it is funny now that like you think about the controversy about the, the putting in the statues to hide the, the sex. Because I'm pretty sure like a Game of Thrones episode is more explicit than anything. Oh, yeah. That's was in this movie. Yeah. The best one is when they go into. I, I mean, you like literally see Theon's dick at one point, like after he like pulls out of like some winch in Game of Thrones. So, but yeah, I mean, that poor sex worker. Um, but I noticed like uh, in like like romantic comedies by. Oh, what's her name? Not Nora Ephron. Fuck. Ah, I forgot. Yeah, the, I forgot Nancy the, Meyer. Nancy Meyer. Like people notice her kitchens and stuff. Mm-hmm. I really noticed the rooms and the architecture in this movie. So when they're fucking in the library at one point, there's a lot of wild things going on there. And that's when I presume that Ziegler who comes in behind him and then Mandy comes in and rescues him. Do you think Ziegler was like the, the guy who first looks at him? I think so. I, I think, think, so, what, yeah. I think that's one thing. Gonna the question is, who is with Ziegler? I don't know. And I thought, could that be his wife? Because there's uh, Ziegler's too sloppy to you not be caught. bring wives to that? I don't know. Ziegler's too sloppy to not be caught. But the detail that I've never noticed before is the primary group that we're watching, the guy fucking the girl, the girl is laying on top of a, of, of of a, a guy, guy yeah. who's on all fours. Yeah, with a mask on. Uh-huh. We're talking straight up human furniture. I mean, honestly, it uh, it seems like a lot. You know, like yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't really seem like it'd be a fun hang. Well, just like no one's seemingly aroused. No, they're all just like standing around weirdly yeah. watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but party planning this would be just a fucking nightmare. I, mean, I, have, to, I have to take a year it's off. It's like a afterwards. whole job. Yeah. I have to take a year off afterwards just you to, have like, to have catch an assistant whose whole job is just like coordinating this shit. Oh, how do you even do that? And then you, you know, you take one of your dude's recommendations, you hire a piano player. He turns out to be a complete asshole. Yeah. But he's done it seemingly at least more than once. Yeah. This is like at he's least the second time. Yeah. Uh, I just love that, that bit though where it's like it's not that you didn't know the second password. It's that you thought that there was one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. What a creepy scene. Anyway. What uh, a wonderful scene. Yes. That's yeah. what you meant to say. Yes. General discussion. I don't even know where to begin. The, the first shot ass. The first shot where she's just taking off her dress. Yeah. Like very voyeuristic, very intentional, more so than even that first shot of Lost in Translation. It's like, mm-hmm. look at that. Um, but yeah, more there's more tits in this movie than there's like a whole season of HBO. There's the, the crazy uh, apartment they have too. Yeah. 
There's before like you even columns. get to Ziegler's yeah. apartment, which also let's just say because I mean she is so objectified in this movie, but Nicole Kidman looks amazing in this movie in every way, like every scene she looks impeccable. Um, but their apartment, holy fuck, and their art. There's a lot of art, and some of it's really stupid. And there's a giant painting of a cat. Whose cat is that? Some of the art is like done by his kids, I think Kubrick's kids. Oh, but who's who's like eighty by eighty portrait of a cat? Is that? <laughs> I really, I mean, I almost feel like it's like basic and stupid to say, but the lighting in this movie is fucking incredible. I think this is still like the best lighting I've ever seen in a movie. Mm. Like it's like hypnotic and dreamlike like the blues in the background in their apartment how like yeah. when she's like framed in the doorway with like the blue behind her yeah or like when they go to the party and like the crazy like christmas lights and everything like i don't know it's, the, the party scene is utterly gorgeous it's bright yeah. and dark at the same time it's surreal it's dreamlike they did something where they used as much of the actual lighting mm-hmm. in the party as i mean i guess after Barry this Lyndon, movie that's really deserves like a 4k remaster yeah yeah um, so when he meets Nick Nightingale, I can't get over what an insensitive piece of shit he is because, like, they're talking and he's like, Well, you know what they say once a doctor, always a doctor. And he's just like, Yeah, or in my case, never a doctor, never a doctor, you fuck. <laughs> um, the fact that, like, uh, after that first shot of Nicole Kim, the next time we see her, she's on a toilet, yeah, Kubrick in his toilets. Also, did you notice it in the um. I think it is in the in Ziegler's like bathroom. There's two toilets next to each other. Uh, there's a toilet and a bidet. Is that what that is? What is the difference? Uh, one shoots water at your asshole. Like, why would you need? So you don't have to use paper. No, I know. Why not just have that be your toilet? Why do you need two? I guess. I don't know if bidet technology was there. Well, first of all, it's a bidet in New York. So do you remember? Um, there's like an SNL sketch where it's like this, like like toilet part toilets for partners or something like that where they're like oh. there's like two toilets like facing the opposite direction so you could sit down and go to the bathroom together nice i don't know if you remember that but no i, I don't understand why you need a bidet and a toilet though because huh. i don't think bidet technology is built in the toilets it's like get up on, from one yeah. and sit on the other yeah. before the japanese turn it into like a robot that like mm-hmm. if you hit five smiley faces it shoots the three she shells yeah well, there's always that from a uh, demolition man um so the hungarian lothario he has a fucking move. He I fucks the shit out of her, takes her drink, finishes it in front of her. Or like the whole like <coughs> I think that's my drink. And he's like, Oh, I'm certain it is. <laughs> also, can we just talk about her dress? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Like she's doing it a favor, yeah. <coughs> the uh the shot where they like make sure that he has to like lean over and like help her with her coat on mm. all is interested in me. I think that was in the trailer. Mm. I mean, I guess we're just communicating there that they're like a, a team or whatever, but I'm not sure she really needed the help. No. Mm-hmm. Well, she's three feet taller than him too. Yeah. Uh, so this guy takes a drink. He starts like name checking Latin poets. Like That's going to get her squishy. Um, but yeah, Sven- Sandor, Svavos, clearly a sex vampire. The Hungarian. Also, the actor's name is Sky Dumont, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, But he actually says, don't you think that one of the charms of marriage is it makes a necessity for both parties? (laughs) (laughs) There is a shot when like introductions are being made between Ziegler and uh, his wife and, Uh and Alice and Bill there. 
where like they've all been introduced and Bill's talking to Ziegler and the wife just starts staring at Nicole Kidman's chest. And like, I, because it's Kubrick, you have to say, nope, that was intentional. Like yeah, yeah. he meant to like make it a little bit weird where the wife was just like, eh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was probably, cause I feel like Nicole Kidman is basically showing up everyone at this party Oh yeah, in this dress. Yeah. Well, and, and he, we find out like 30 minutes later in this movie, Tom knows that and he loves it. Mm-hmm. He fucking loves it. Um, when he meets the two girls, I saw that he plays almost every interaction with just about every woman in this. Like the way they are obsessed with him. It reminded me of Jack Reacher, where mm-hmm. every woman's attracted to him immediately. And he plays that as like their attraction as, well, isn't that just adorable? And he he always they'll Big like, smile. All you ladies all lust after me. How wonderful is that? That's wild. They'll, they'll huh. say something suggestive suggestive to him and uh-huh. he'll always just be like end of the rainbow you know like yeah. like he like doesn't he know back yeah, everything he, he always repeats back what they said as a question like he doesn't know what's going on yeah. like he's like innocent somehow or something you know or like he's not he's not actually flirting with them you know yeah, like he's it's like, like it's like he's trying to claim plausible deniability or something drop this aloof bullshit yeah. <laughs> um yeah so I enjoy Whit Stillman movies a lot, like Metropolitan. <laughs> I like his protege, Noah Baumbach. I've liked Woody Allen films in the past. I have never in any of those movies seen a classy New York party where a guy is being led into a magical threesome with the expression, where the rainbow ends. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I'm a Woody Allen fan myself. Never was. but um, But like logistics wise, Ziegler's apartment is massive. It's the size of your neighborhood. It's like the size of a building. Yeah. The size of your neighborhood. Um, I can see this is definitely a great place to have a party, but to fucking live here, it's like your wife calls you. He has you. a ballroom. I mean. Yeah, your wife calls you. She says, honey, can you bring me that article you were talking about? And he says, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I'm on the other side of the fucking apartment. Mm-hmm. What do you, why do you think Alice is so quick to get drunk here? Does she just, I don't know, feel out of place here? I mean, I, I, I think she is just a homemaker. She's right? between jobs. Between jobs. Because yeah. her gallery job mm-hmm. ended. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. She's waiting for him. I kind of wonder if how much she spied him with the girls. Because we don't she really definitely, know. No, she definitely sees him with the girls. Right, right. But when she's dancing with Sandor. But my question is, mm-hmm. has she seen him with the girls prior to Sandor walking well, has, over? Has she always suspected I, I mean i don't think their fight is out of nowhere no you know? no it's it's they've never talked about fidelity and or her sexuality ever in their nine years of marriage and she's probably always noticed that he has this sort of like above it all like like claims to innocence mm-hmm. you know like pretends that he's not attracted to anyone else ever that kind of but thing. on top of it they've mm-hmm. established already that neither of them knows anybody at least he knows mm-hmm. the host and then he leaves her alone well, if you haven't eaten and a couple glasses of champagne, I'll get on top of you real quick. And mm-hmm. it might be a statement. But yeah, so so Ziegler, we see him at one point. And then we find out that where he's been fucking this now unconscious woman is the bathroom, which has a fancy weird tub, a toilet, a bidet, a nice chair with a lamp. There's goddamn art on the wall. But here's the coup de grace. It's a fucking fireplace in this bathroom. <laughs> Jesus, goddamn Christ. Like... So well, so then he the, the suspenders with of the, like yeah. the the barrel chest yeah the, the but so he calls for his man to go collect Tom Cruise to come check on the girl mm-hmm. then 
After that's transpired, he's pulling on the pants with the suspenders. So what was the conversation with his manservant like? Was he just freeballing? Like, hey, hey, Corey, can you go get that doctor? Yeah. Is he? Is yeah. He, why is he only putting on his pants now? Was he like naked and balls deep in her, and she's ODing? She's out for five or six minutes. He says, "I suspect I put forth to you Ziegler as the kind of creep who finished." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was it hard for you to keep track of some of the women in this? Like, was it intentional? That they all seem to kind of have the same shade of hair or same body type, same body type. Yeah, yeah. I think I think with the mysterious woman, uh, this is Mandy, right? Yeah, the mysterious woman is Mandy. <laughs> Even though, but who's this? Isn't this also Mandy? This is Mandy. Okay, Mandy's the girl at the party or at the orgy. No, this isn't the same girl. This isn't the mysterious woman, is it? Yeah, you mean the masked woman? Yeah, yeah, it's Mandy, the the hooker who's passed out here. Yeah. I thought there were two different people. Oh, it's Mandy. Okay. So that's the movie's especially confusing because later he gets the article sure? saying that Mandy, the former beauty queen, has died. And then he goes to find her body at the at the morgue. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to go talk to Ziegler. And Ziegler's like, that's the same girl. And they play it like, oh, my God, I just realized that. And it's like, hey, Tom, why did you care about her obit if you didn't know that was Mandy? Who, like, <laughs> what does the guy say? Like. Nothing can change her fate now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, heroin and coke, that sounds like a case okay, of the so fucking that, wonderfuls. I thought it was something where they weren't the same person, but it was like this dreamlike quality where they seemed like so similar well, or something like that, you know? I mean, it, maybe it is. Yeah, sure. You can make the argument that maybe they're two different women in that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're supposed to correlate her more of Mandy. Like Domino the, 2 kind of looks the same. Right, but I think it's definitely not Domino. Yeah. Domino's got her own thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, So... Tom Cruise, the doctor, saves this woman's life for a prescribed course of look at me, Mandy. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You're all better. Doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, then afterwards, Sidney Pollack turns into her fucking dad because he's just like, boy, you sure gave us a scare there, kiddo. His penis was just inside her while she was shooting up. I maintain that she had a needle in his aged old dick in her at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Think about that. Think about which one went where hmm. <laughs> um and then and then lol out the way he says you're gonna need some rehab after this you know that right <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> <the fuck? laughs> and then and then he like uh uh ziegler's like can we can we get her out of here get some clothes on her get her out of here and he's like no nah, i'd leave her here for another hour Oof, an hour He's got the uh, like the painting of the naked woman like reclining behind him the whole time too. Does he? Is that what it is? Yeah, there's fucking art in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this big painting of a naked woman, like like lying down, like legs somewhat askew, like right behind him there. Who is shitting in this bathroom? <laughs> I mean, it seems like an incredible bathroom. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to it. <laughs> you know, Nancy Myers has her kitchens. Kubrick has his bathrooms. You're like, I need to do some remodeling. Mm-hmm. Um. I love the way that the uh, the the dance between the Hungarian and Alice is shot because the camera, I mean, nobody moves their camera like Kubrick. It's so kind of seductive and hypnotic. You have the light mm-hmm. of the Christmas lights kind of like shining in silhouette behind them. And like you really start to feel like this like drunk, horny energy as you're just kind of like swaying and like getting a little closer, moving mm-hmm. a little back, like turning around, you know, like. Well, yeah. here's what I appreciate about this Hungarian sex beast. He's not hiding what he is oh, no. or what he's about. He's very straightforward about it. But I kind of appreciate in almost a, like a Barney Stinson way that it also is just like, let's talk about fine art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then 
the humorous way he's where he says, "Do you like the period?" Because I adore it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's kind of like, I can't believe this weirdo, but also I'm turned on. I'm kind of know? into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a sprinkle. Yeah. Um. So we get the, the like the montage of each of their days the next day. Huge bathtub in the. Uh, I have to wonder who is getting the giant fucking Van Gogh book that Nicole Kidman's wrapping at one point. I know that's a massive Van Gogh book, or as the British would say, Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are treated to some scenes of two rich white people getting goofy while getting high, smoking grass, smoking jazz cigarettes. I was trying to think like. What what do you think Tom Cruise calls pot? You know, like is he what do you call it like reefer or something? Like I think he says pot. <laughs> I could see grass, which by the way, one of the funniest bits from the knives out is when he says, Have you been smoking grass? Because it's like it's so like, yeah, that character would call it grass, you know. Oh, Michael Shannon, yeah. 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 But yeah, I feel Have like been smoking grass. Like Tom Cruise is incapable of just saying like pot or weed. Like he has like like he has like a weird old timey expression for it, you know. Not jazz cigarettes, but I can see that there's like some other kind of like super twenties. <laughs> Devil's lettuce. <laughs> Have you been smoking that sticky icky? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, like again, he's like kissing the neck. He's like feeling her breast, and he's like, ah. So he just wanted to fuck my wife. Well, I guess that's understandable. And then that's when she's just like, "What the fuck does that mean?" And then, yeah, you're right. He's just like, let's just relax. This pot is making you aggressive. Well, it's a whole lot of like, I, you're the mother of my oh, that's daughter. Gets... You're the love of my life. I would never, ever. So he, I feel like his acting style is a lot of repeating something back and smiling his big Tom Cruise smile. That's where I feel like he channeled Jack Nicholson for a minute. Mm, oh, I yeah. don't know, Alice. Maybe because you're my wife. Wendy, darling, <laughs> love of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's never considered her as more than just his dutiful partner since like the first time he fucked her. Or at least that's how he would like to that, see her. That's the mythology that he, you know, is right. running with to her is that, oh, I've, I've never considered everyone else, anyone else. I'm like, I'm so devoted to you. Although I don't think that's true, which is why I think she's so like insulted by the yeah. notion of it, you know. Which is very interesting because like that's kind of the recurring theme in marriage story between those two characters is. Adam Driver's character really likes their married life together. And Scarjo's happy. Yeah. yeah Scarjo's issue is you don't take into account that we are two individuals who are in this marriage. Um, yeah. So I don't know, Alice. Um, and then she's just like, this is the line. You are very, very sure of yourself, aren't you? And he says, no, I'm sure of you. Oh, yeah. Any other movie that would have been like, oh, what a line yeah oh what what the perfect thing to say there i'm sure of you and she's just like no fuck you he's just like what i'm gonna tell you about how i emotionally cheated on you what i just showed you the money yeah Yeah. um the imagined scenes of nicole and the naval officer that six days 50 different erotic scenarios tom cruise isn't allowed to know what any of it is which my question is what was tom doing in england while she's filming that Know, taking a meeting with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. About Frank T.J. Mackey. T.J. Mackey, yeah. Well, like, apparently, like, I don't even know if this is real or, like, legal, but, like, their contract was open-ended. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, until Stephen Kubrick or Stanley Kubrick releases you, you're, like, his. Like, <laughs> Well, supposedly, they ran into D'Onofrio, which I don't know how Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman know Vincent D'Onofrio. 
that seems like an awkward group. Mm-hmm. But they were like, oh, we're going to be filming with Kubrick in England. What hotel should we stay at? And D'Onofrio was like, get yourself an apartment or a house. I feel like that encounter probably went about the same as when uh, Bill here meets Nick Nightingale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tom, first of all, D'Onofrio is eight feet taller than Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is something that D'Onofrio has removed surgically. Um, so, yeah, he finds out about her emotional cheating. And I think... For a long time, I view this movie as kind of interesting because I think the conventional movie would then be about her. And I thought it was fascinating that it's about him wrapping his heads well, around it's like the this. whole the whole rest of the movie is him essentially trying to like get back at her. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, but but whatever you do, whenever you suspect infidelity, know about infidelity or whatever, your world's so up in it. So how do you get back to feeling right? Whether you feel that guilt, if you try to get back, whatever. But this time rewatching it the whole time, I'm like, the disservice is we don't know anything about Nicole. Like, we don't know anything about this character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's off to explore the forests of the night or whatever. Um, but I don't think we're supposed to emphasize with him. Empathize? What did I say? Yeah. Emphasize. Yeah. Yeah, empathize. Sorry. Well, I emphasize that we're not supposed to empathize with him. It's more of a... I don't know, like an experiential identification. I mean, I've, I've seen like videos online where they talk about how his his acting style and his like the way he slowly enunciates and talks is like supposed to distance you from him. Yeah. So that you're, I don't know, experiencing what's happening to him without empathizing with him. So I don't know, maybe that was but, intentional. I mean, yeah. It seems kind of realistic to me because otherwise it's I super fucking I feel like wooden. you're ever really like, oh no, Tom Cruise, watch out. You know, like, well, no, no, you're just kind yeah. of watching it. Like yeah. Like a voyeur, you know. But yeah, that's my point is you're not, if anything, you're replacing him and being that character. So he goes to the, the patient's well, I, died's I, house. I, I do think, I don't know, at least for me, when you're watching it, you're not like, yeah, Tom, like go get some. Right. You know, you're no. just like, oh man, you're about to make a mistake. You're yeah. just, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like, oh, you got out of there and now you're going back again. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't know that I'm rooting for him or rooting against him. Mm-hmm. I'm not even like, ooh boy, get yourself in some trouble. Like that was kind of my thing watching you and I talked about the other day, Midsummer, was there's parts where like I could tell, like, here comes the fucking nasty scenario, and I was like rubbing my hands together, like, yeah, give me some of that. Uh, so Marion, that character, I believe was originally Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Whereas Ziegler was originally Harvey Keitel. I think those are both good casting changes there. Yeah. Well, so again, we knew nothing for the two years they were filming this. So there was all these articles about discord on the set. Everyone's miserable. And then the rumors about what lurid shit Kubrick was filming. <laughs> Cause he had also had bought the rights to a movie called blue movie. Mm hmm. And so they were like, he wants to make his horny sex movie. Oh, we should talk about that. Do you think this is a blue movie? Slightly, yeah. Because the concept of a blue movie is a satire about hiring Hollywood stars to essentially make like a porn film, you know, mm-hmm. like and like they don't know that they're making one. It's like like Caligula. Yeah, yeah. But it's basically like how how far will we, can we get these Hollywood stars to go? I think Nicole's in a blue mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, more so than Tom. But yeah, the, he had bought the rights to Blue Movie, the book by Terry Southern. And so they were like, this is where he wants to do this. And one of the rumors that I remember reading in like a premiere magazine was that supposedly there were scenes where Harvey Keitel is just like jacking off. Which I think maybe wants. that was just like uh, after like, the yelled cut, you know. <laughs> it was just like, he's just like, I'm still in Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of really like the actress who plays Marion. Yeah. No, she's version. she's good. Because she's unknown. And she... 
essentially kind of she solidifies what Nicole Kidman has already told him about how like for that one moment yeah, I would have given yeah. it all away. And then now this late woman is saying to him, yeah, I don't care about my fiance. I would give everything up for you. And so, which only kind of like makes him think even more, Oh shit. Like, you know, my wife just wasn't just like tweaking me. Like she meant it, you know, and some people don't even get three strikes. They get two mm-hmm. and her boyfriend, Carl strike one is played by Greg from Dharma and Greg. So strike two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the Marion scene kind of made me wonder, cause I know they talked about like Harrison Ford. Would the Bill Harford character have been better if it was played by? Oh, that would have been like in the like early nineties, probably. But I mean, yeah. would it have been better if it was an older man in mm, the role? I don't think so. Now, I think is the stunt casting of the married couple important? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine anyone else besides Tom and Nicole in this movie. Uh, yeah, you know? it's, it's been and the I, public I, document. For I a while. think he's like the perfect age for it too. Okay, he's like he's not yet into like silver fox territory you know he's still like a young in shape guy well he's not he's not dying his hair yet yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah the marion scene is fascinating following nicole's confession um and the way she is willing to throw herself at him rather than move the mission of carl with a dead body in the background the whole yeah. time um and the one line which is i just want to live near you even if i never get to see you again well, the the way you feel it coming the whole time, you could tell she wants to say something, and you're you're thinking, is she gonna go where I think she's gonna go? You know, because she's, she's gonna go. Well, because she's mentioning like her plans and everything like that, but she keeps on like kind of like putting a hand to her mouth, and like it's it's like you're just waiting for her to be like, I, I don't give a shit about anyone but you. you I know? think everyone has been in that unrequited Uber crush point where you're like you feel like you need to say something because you haven't reached that maturity where you realized, well, if I, if this was wanted, <laughs> the opportunity would have presented itself mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Uh, but then the confusion, the heartbreak, possibly the relief on her face when he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. When he just like walks past her, like the, the look on her face is fascinating. That actress is fascinating. Like I kind of wish the movie was about her. <laughs> and then, then you don't see Marion again. Nope. Like you see fucking he, he Greg. Tries, he tries to call her. Yeah. And she answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, another massive fucking New York apartment. Yeah, I know. These people. These fucking people. Yeah. The 1% of 1%. So he's walking home. Passes by a couple making it on the should, street. should mention this is all filmed on sound stages because uh, Kubrick was afraid to fly. Yeah. And so it's all shot in England, but it's sound stages done up to look like New York. Well, it's fascinating because so he's they're walking by this couple. Uh, who are the guys just like rubbing ass on the street, mm-hmm. uh, which of course makes him think about his wife getting railed by a naval officer. These New York scenes are fascinating because you have the sound stages, especially like the profile, the long tracking. And then there's a couple of shots which is rear projection walking, mm-hmm. which I realized I was like, I probably didn't even notice that in the theater. You know, there's like a little bit of vignette on them too. Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They're like, squad of like homophobic bros so when we when kind of wonder what kubrick was up to there well i mean of course the the conspiracy theory is that like he's like commenting on tom mm-hmm. but like for as much as we now put 1999 cinema on the pedestal america was still trash yeah. in the 90s. it's trash in 2019 but yeah like their comments like the hey 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 what team is this switch hitter playing on 
Um, and Tom is just like, first of all, when they shoulder check him, I mean, he almost flies over that car like he's made of paper. And he's like, oh, no, I'm rich and white. These rowdy white guys are aggressively questioning my sexuality. I don't think Tom would allow a scene like this in one of his movies these days. No. You know? No. Yeah. He's, he, I think he's always playing bare minimum Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the guys yells, I've got dumps that are bigger than you. <laughs> Congratulations. And then homophobic America in the 90s, one of the guys yells, go back to San Francisco where you belong. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Which is just weirder because this is filmed in England. <laughs> um and then we meet domino here yeah uh her scene is supposed to take two weeks to film it took two months mm-hmm. would, you call one it, scene. would you call any of this romantic i feel like he's trying to make it romantic yeah by like not he's just kind of like letting her steer even know? though he brings up the money he does but like in like this very shy like bashful way but he doesn't want to say what he wants you know yeah yeah um yeah, it's like uh, it's a negotiation for sex work that's play like a meet cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what do you want to do? Well, what do you recommend? And she's like, you fucking dork. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like regardless of whatever Domino does, $150 is probably a fucking steal. Like, did he get a coupon? <laughs> like, I feel like that's, that's, a, that's a good price. Late nineties money. I mean the the shot of her kind of like leaning in to kiss him, mm-hmm. like I think his eyes are closed. <laughs> like you know. Like, <laughs> so we need the shot where his like like his one leg lifts up behind him. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know, the way it's framed is it's framed romantically, you know. Which and it's like a it's like a kind of like chaste, like passionate kiss. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like Tom. Just kissing on the lips. That's no pretty woman. And Tom Cruise is that guy. That it doesn't really matter what character you play. He's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But it's like, Tom, you're married to Nicole Kidman. She's admitted this like fantasy about another man that she doesn't even know to you. I don't think having sex with a prostitute that you met on the streets really going to get her back. Like You're not going to stick it to her in the way you're thinking. I, I mean, I guess maybe it isn't so much about getting her back as like he feels that he now has like a pass and it's like, He's been, you know, cuckolded and he has to like go get his masculinity back somehow. Do you remember you know? when we had the that string of like bad dude bro comedies like Hall Pass? Uh vaguely. They, yeah. they tried to make that a thing. Mm-hmm. Um so he goes to Sonata Cafe, which oh, real quick, I just want to mention huh. um a lot of the music you don't realize it's diegetic until somebody turns it off like midway through the scene. Like the the first music in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah the music at the beginning, the uh what was that like um jazz suite like waltz of jazz suite or whatever um here he's got some other music that's playing on a radio and then he turns it off mm. uh when with the prostitute when his wife calls like i don't know it's interesting how often that happens yeah well i mean like you said they're trying to paint this like romantic ambiance uh-huh. that's very easily turned off because it's artificial so they go to a cafe which this fucking dingy underground jazz dive where this they have a maitre d this place looks pretty fucking cool i gotta be honest. i would go there i would totally go there but you know it's like i'm mocking it but also the maitre d is the thing that i'm really into because he's just like do you want to sit at the bar no i want to sit at a table it I is will, a dive too. i will walk yeah. you to the table <laughs> there's like seven people there mm-hmm. i like the uh little like glowing ball lights on the table so yeah. everyone's lit like in like creepy yeah 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 like they're going to tell you that they have to go play in an orgy right after yeah. this. Yeah. Which I, this is, oh, so Nick Nightingale. You know, you know, I just realized what kind of energy Nick Nightingale has. He has a motorist from Clue energy. I can see that. You know, 
a little bit this weird mansion (laughs) a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. um he's also implying that there is zero work for a jazz pianist in seattle i guess so he says i came my my wife and four kids are on the other side of the country i came here because that's where the work is what are you into nick nightingale (laughs) Yeah, how much is this place place paying him? You know, for two weeks at the Sonata mm-hmm. Cafe, yeah, and his pickup band. But yeah, I I for like five seconds, I'm like, this is a movie about two former college roommates who fall in love ten years later. Um, and then it, so the other place he's going to go to this is presumably one. It's after midnight earlier. It's presumably about one o'clock now. The other place he's got to get going. What kind of orgy starts at two a.m. With the whole fucking ceremony. The whole fucking everything. ceremony. Yeah. Like, does none of these people have a, a company to run the next day? You got like, I'm sure there's the one person who shows up to the orgy, like, way early. Oh, yeah. Me. Know? Yeah. I'm like, like midnight, guys. It's like, eight. <laughs> I get- like come on. <laughs> well, I'm getting, I'm getting these Swedish meatballs before everyone mm-hmm. else. I'm getting these cocktail weenies. Mm-hmm. Which, do you eat it at? I mean, you don't an want orgy? to eat too much no. at an orgy, you know what I'm saying? No, and that's, you know, on a date. Also, Swedish meatballs. I think you might want to avoid those oh, at yeah. an orgy in general, you know? I can tell you about some food that I've mm-hmm. had on dates that I, that I did not. Oh man! Mm. Let's get on that story. Let's just pause the movie and unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> I developed a new skill that night. Um, midnight is a perfectly fine time to start your orgy. You can call it the witching hour. Everyone can be done by two, two thirty. Get some, get some rest. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine getting like that three hours of sleep where at least I had sex kind of fatigue. But it's the kind of orgy where like. A lot of people just stand around and watch. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I guess that's not exhausting. Yeah. Or maybe they all napped earlier in the mm-hmm. evening. Either way, you know what I don't need for my fucking primary care physician? To know that he's been raging in an orgy all night. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're supposed to assume that this is like, I don't know, behind the masks or like Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the Rothschilds and, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anderson <laughs> Cooper. Anderson, yeah, because there is... Is very Vanderbilt. few, very few, but there are some same-sex couplings in this, which yeah. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if I noticed that. I definitely did not notice the that original until, until yeah. this morning. I'm wondering if that was one of the CGI statue things or not. I don't know. Well, I noticed it during the dancing. Well, I, I, I mean, the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. I definitely didn't notice it, and I don't know if that was just like I didn't see it or that they. Had There's like, a lot happening. Yeah, to my 18 year old eyes, there was a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, this orgy venue is a mansion outside of the city. When Nick Nightingale takes that phone call, he says, I know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> so then Tom goes and wakes up the proprietor of a costume shop at like maybe 1, one thirty in the morning. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I have my medical board of New York State it's, license like, to show you. It's okay, I'm a you. doctor. And he's like, great, you're a doctor. <laughs> this is the one time that thankfully he doesn't use the cover of it's a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. So what does he need? He needs a tux, a cloak, and a mask. And a mask, yeah. And I guess what uh, Lily Savicey whispers in his ear is something about how he'll need an ermine liner yeah, for the coat. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's not the whispering of Lost in Translation level of. Uh, it still can be though, you know. Well, but I mean, in the cultural world, though, it's not been. You know what I mean? In the popular yeah. or whatever, it hasn't been. There's a lot of security in this costume shop, and it's pretty funny when Ray Sabirch is like, "You can't be too careful these days." Like, does he do costumes for the mafia? Or just for Japanese businessmen who want to like fuck his daughter. I mean, how how lucrative is a costume shop anyway? You know? Yeah. Then he took it over from the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, apparently a trichologist is a hair specialist. I did not know that. 
Um, yeah, earn mine line if you're a cloak. The business with the uh, the, the taxi cab and how well, he, he like rips up the $100 bill. That's on my bucket list, I guess. I mean, I, I, these days you can just call an Uber, but I guess back then, like, you didn't want to lose that guy because, like, it, it might take you, like, hours to get another cab And they out show there. you. It, it took a while to get there. But, like... So what is it, like, 2.30 by the time he gets there? Or, yeah, they've seemingly started. Yeah. I mean, he's walking in awkwardly late to the ceremony. But, like, even if you're calling an Uber, you're waiting here for 45 minutes where that car shows up. Also, $75? He's fucking lucky. It's 1999 money. He's too. fucking lucky. Yeah. But watching the drive to the orgy mansion, which is the which is Wayne Manor from Batman Begins, mm-hmm. made me think we got to do Ninth Gate at some point. Do we? Yes. I that guy's yes. so fucking canceled though. <laughs> That's my only time that I really want Johnny Depp. On I wasn't talking about Johnny Depp. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the big cancel podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the orgy ceremony, we, you know, it's implied that Nick Nightingale's performing this. It's actually a track called Masked Ball by Jocelyn Pook. But I mean, like he's diegetically, he is playing it though. That's that's the implied thing. Yeah, and the that's thing. what he's there for. Though what gets me about that is he's playing the piano parts or the keyboard mm-hmm. parts. Who is sampling and or managing the? I mean, he's got a synth there, so that you could, you know, I, I he's buy also it. Also blindfolded. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a lot of buttons that I don't know if you've memorized the feel of. Uh yeah, so like I said, the bending to kiss each other and the circle seems painful. Tapping of the rod and yeah. I love this guy. You do? Red cloak. Okay. I fucking love this guy. Watch out for your little liars. Because like whatever he's doing in the universe of this movie is presented as everyone knows that this is the ceremony. Mm-hmm. This is how it goes. I fucking love that. You have to go. Th- you have to watch this before everyone can just start fucking. You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's probably some there's kind a of a lot of people in cloaks there too. There's probably like a, a closing ceremony version of this. Everyone is gathered for the trial. Like they have some kind of weird etiquette. Um, and they even have the the upper level where they're mm-hmm. watching him. And you get what I presume is Ziegler gives him the sup nod. Mm-hmm. But I love that everyone knows who he is. Him and and Mandy. They immediately know that he doesn't belong there. Yeah. <laughs> It's like he's just got the the newbie stink at the orgy. Don't have the newbie stink at the orgy. You gotta act yeah. like you've been there before. Yeah. Like you scored a touchdown. Oh, I don't want people looking at me like I'm an idiot laughing at me, especially not an orgy. Mm-hmm. Kill my self-esteem. So we move from room to room, like we're exploring it, it's levels so weird, of a video game. The way the uh the you know, sex workers here like peel off and like they like kiss the person, but they both have masks on, so they're really just like touching their face to the other person. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to kiss in the mouth. Also, it seems like he's he's avoiding like activating the one girl for a while. He's going in like a weird, but he's tapping yeah. everyone but the one girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Don't worry, Darlene, I'll I'll send you last." Um, so we get these back and forth shots where we're like we're following Tom, but then we're also doing ones where we're just like wide angle POVing into each room. And this is like this is Kubrick being like, "I need the, I need a guy in a bear costume blowing a guy in a hotel room." I need weird details. Like times 10. Yeah. yeah. Like I just going to have a fucking field day. All this. the weird masks, like the, the weird guy in the paper mache mask that just comes up and takes the mysterious woman away. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, can you believe that a studio is paying me to spend six months filming this? Mm-hmm. Um, which can you just imagine being like the extra at day 45 of the orgy shoot? <laughs> I remember reading just like the crazy rumors. Yeah. About what Kubrick was up to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I presume that the naked men are also sex workers. My new theory is that guess, none of yeah, the guests probably. are actually fucking. It's seemingly, yeah. Because the naked men are all in really good shape. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, they're just all watching these in shape people fornicate. Like this isn't like this there's isn't, a one of the dudes is just like sitting at the table that these like women are like going yeah. to town each other, just like with his hands folded yeah. in front of him. Like he's like waiting for yeah. his food. Like my my mind, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But none of these men have physiques like Sidney Pollock or Harvey Keitel. Yeah, which I assume that like everyone who's here looks like Sidney Pollock behind the mask, yeah. you know. Best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe the Hungarian. You know? Or worst case scenario, look like Prince Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pass through the ballroom. Strangers of the Night starts playing, uh, which I've always had a that's weird... such a Kubrick. Yeah. I've had such a weird fascination with that song since this movie. Mm-hmm. So that's when you see the same-sex couples dancing. There's a guy in a tux with a naked man dancing. There's also a woman in a tux with a naked woman dancing, which good. So he's found out. the They use this ruse to lure him to an outing, a trial or something to get him to unmask. Well, yeah, the mysterious woman shows up and is like, you're in danger. You have to get out of here. But even before that, the, the intense series of close-ups of the various masks mm-hmm. watching him and judging him, they, they want him to undress and then we get the voice of Kate Blanchett. And then just the guy being like, no one can change her fate now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what it is you're proposing or yeah. So this is what happens when you don't get to live deliciously. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this this juicy inner core of the movie, it's a very different dream. A, the record scratch. Nick's gone. Marion's gone. Domino's gone. Everything has changed at the Rainbow Costume Shop. He comes home. Nicole is laughing hysterically in her sleep. Then he wakes her and she's horrified and says, it was such a nightmare. I dreamt <laughs> such weird things. Epstein didn't commit suicide. I find her dream to be more devastating than her confession. Well, see, when I was watching this, it's like, okay, you got out of there, that fucking weird shit. You, you were able to walk out of there. Who knows what they're going to do to you? You would think he would have like chilled out, but then I think this is what propels him further. Yeah. Is she tells him this insane dream that she had about like just fucking tons of men and laughing about it. And he's just like, well, I'm still real fucked up. Well, even before that though, so the, the dream is that they were in some abandoned city and their clothes were gone. Mm-hmm. And she felt it was his fault. So he left her alone to go get them more clothes. Once he was gone, she felt wonderful. She was laying naked in the grass, feeling herself. And then the naval officer came and found her. And he just laughed at her and didn't want her. Which is even more devastating to hear her be rejected by the man that she would reject her husband for. <laughs> but also, what's the, the Margaret Atwood like? You know, not just that that women are afraid the men will kill them. Men are afraid women will laugh at them. Mm-hmm. Like to Tom, that's the worst thing he can think of. So he's he's back in it. Yeah. Tries to go to the Sonata Cafe to find Nick. I, I don't know why he's expecting Nick to be there. And like, I don't know, was it 8 a.m. or something? You know, has he gotten any fucking sleep? Yeah. Is this guy really going to be doing any doctoring today? I don't want this guy feeling my bits after he's been like trolling for a sense of purpose and belonging in an orgy. So the uh, the waitress at the coffee shop next door, her and Nick definitely hooked up, right? Well, he should be more surprised that the waitress not only knows Nick Nightingale, knows where he lives to the mm-hmm. point where I can't give out his address. But no, he's like, just so you know, this is serious. Here's my medical board license. Mm-hmm. I have some medical news, but some tests that came in he needs but like how does she know where nick nightingale is staying uh, 
unless I, he came in one night after work and I guess if your name is Nick Nightingale, you don't have to really worry about people ever forgetting you. It's a good name. It's a great name. Yeah, it's a Riverdale name though, unfortunately. Um or is it literally a Riverdale name? No, or I'm just saying, saying it's alliterative. It's, it's alliterative, like a Riverdale name. Yeah. How do you feel about the name Badger Berkeley? Who's Badger Berkeley? You'll find out later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um so he goes and continues to look for Nick Nightingale, goes to this hotel. Alan Cumming is blown away by how attracted he is instantly to Tom Cruise. I mean, he is splooshing behind that counter. I, I just I feel like he's messing with him a little the whole time. Maybe he's a he's a chaotic, he's got chaotic energy. I feel like he senses he's he, he gets a whiff of like weird desperation yeah. from, from Bill here. Tell me and a, he's like, I'm gonna have some fun with this. Tell me an Alan Cumming role that doesn't have chaotic energy. <laughs> Even his nightcrawler was a was a sloppy little bitch. Yeah. Um, but I like that he's just like, hey, you're not 5 are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. And Tom Cruise is like, here's my medical license. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is where I was like, wouldn't it be convenient if this just turned into the game all of a sudden? <laughs> we so, should really do the game. Have we done the game? I don't think we have, I don't right? Think we no. have. I don't know if there's a, like a ton to unpack there, but. I just like the movie. That's a great movie. Does uh, Ethel County own a black dress? I think it's Rose Kennedy. But. Whatever. Um. But yeah, I like that Alan Coleman is just holding this incredibly like like Polanski movie story, and Tom Cruise is just just like not nearly freaked out enough. Mm-hmm. He's going to fantasize about his wife getting like just hammered, like you, jackhammered again. You just made me think of the other line from that. The uh, other than that, Mrs. Kennedy, or other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Back to the rainbow. A costume rental where like things have changed in the light of day. I, I actually do like the they they go to an insert of his face when he realizes what's going on and the way he just glowers at Raid Cerveja. Uh, for, well, it's for like he's prostituting out his, out his daughter. Yeah. yeah, and then and then when he turns, he's just like, if the good doctor would ever need something, not necessarily a costume. Well, she she walks out of that room again, still like in a bra and underwear, like pulling on. Just like this, like, I don't know, night top or something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Which is funny to me because Lily Sobieski, I feel like, grew up to look like Helen Hunt. She kind of looks like her here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I feel like he, you know, 1999 money, he got off pretty well with this costume rental and the $200 on extra and the cost. The mask of- is only $25. It's a nice mask. Like these days, if I lost that mask, I feel like they're going to be like, oh, that's 150 bucks. Oh, you know, you're dreaming. It's $500 mask yeah. if you lost that thing. Especially if I got any kind of hint that you went to an orgy in that mask. Yeah. <laughs> You're cleaning it. They're like, yeah, asshole tax. <laughs> um, so again, what does he do? He goes to work and fantasizes about his wife getting good and properly fucked. Goes back to the mansion, stands at the gate until a car drives up. And the dude, this weird fucking old guy gets out and just like hands him an envelope. It's like his name did, on it. Yeah, typed. typed. Yeah. Did they have this prepared in advance for him? This old guy is clearly Tillis Winton, old man mm-hmm. makeup. Um, Give up your inquiries, which are completely useless, and consider these words a second warning. Give we up hope your, your inquiries, I, exactly. which everybody knows are completely useless. Exactly. I totally thought of Trump. <laughs> it's not flushing the toilets 15 times, because that's a real raging deuce. We hope for your own good that this will be sufficient. And women are having babies in the ninth month. They're crazy. What We gotta stop this, folks. Um, so he watches the wife helping the daughter with the homework the great insert shot of her 
just kind of smiling at him behind her glasses. The most predatory, perfect, perplexing fuck eyes of all time. I mean, what do you think? They're like 200 takes for that? I wonder. I wonder if that was like a week of just that that look. Um, Maybe did a bad, bad thing. Yeah, so but he's like imagining her telling him the story of the dream the mm-hmm. whole time. So calls Marion, intrigued. He just like goes back to work. But he goes back to work in yeah. the middle of the night, yeah. Calls Marion, gets the fucking Greg answers. Nah, that's not going to do anything. Goes like uh, on his quest. To, Tries like, to go find the prostitute again. Well, yeah. like, like he's going to go fuck the pain away with the teachers of peaches. Yeah. Um, so he goes to Domino's, meets Sally, the roommate. And she's like, you're the bill. <laughs> the energy in this scene is so weird because she, like what is going on from her perspective, I guess, you know, because she doesn't. If she's not at first stopping him no. from like making moves on her. No, well, she's, but she's, well, first of all, she, this is the 90s. Mm-hmm. So Sally is wearing one of those big ass denim tied shirts that takes him four minutes to untie. But what gets me is that maybe it's the anticipation. She looks like she's being like fingered as he's just like undoing the tie before well, he he's even definitely gets his like hands feeling her up. Un- yeah. Well, before he even gets his hands under the shirt. He's just undoing her her denim shirt, and she's just like, ah. but then at a certain point, she's like, oh, by the way, uh, she got some test results back. She's HIV positive. Like, what is what is going through her mind right now through well, this whole thing? She's like, not that I'm not into you, but mm-hmm. the reason I'm not going to fuck you, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be gentle and give you this news. And he's sitting across the table with her, like, legs spread wide. Like, he thinks that they're just going like, to do it on this disgusting table. And just giving that, like, Tom Cruise, like, also, overconfident smile the whole time. Is that a bathtub in their kitchen? A bathtub? Where all, the thing where all the presents are piled up? Uh, let me take a look. That he puts his coat on? No, I think that's just, like, a sink. It's a big-ass sink. It's just, like, a weird big sink, yeah. It looks like one of those toilets at, like, a... Uh, like a, like a, a stadium? Yeah, like, you just, like, the trough. The, pe- the piss trough? Yeah. yeah. Fucking trough, man. Which... Don't put your fucking... Pre- That's a lot of presents, too. These ladies are buying a lot of gifts for people. Good for you, ladies. Um, Yeah, big inversion of what Bill's thinking here. Uh, but yeah. And Sally's- then it's just like incredibly awkward. Yeah. It's like, well, obviously we're not going to be having sex. Yeah. So this is when the bald guy starts falling on the street. Uh, he goes into a cafe to like get away from this guy. This is where it gets into a little bit. Of, it feels almost like Polanski-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, he reads about Mandy's overdose in the hospital or goes to the hospital shows her his medical id take that shot claims to be her patient yeah yeah but like how does he not know that this is mandy and that says amanda current or whatever in the article which is it's quite an article for her OG. well she's like a former fashion model or something right or like beauty queen like miss new york or whatever <laughs> so sometimes you just go into their dressing room folks yeah um goes and stares at her dead body for a while Decides that she's the woman in the mask who warned him. It's a wild article here. It's like officials declined to say what drug or drugs current OD'd on. Like, would they really put that in an article? I don't know. But I liked how was it Ziegler's first thought was speedball or snowball <laughs> or whatever they call it these days. Also, um, the headline on the front of the New York Post there. Lucky to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no idea what that article is about, but it's mm-hmm. good. Um, so he goes to Ziegler's. He gets a call. I'd come to Ziegler's. Just, and like just walking through this massive apartment when there's no party, but the lights they have on, imagine this guy's electricity bill. And what do you think he does? He's like, I don't know, like a some dude in like finance or, you know, some bullshit like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or 
I don't know. He's like he's got to be in the high hundreds of millions at least. Oh yeah, yeah. What's the fucking electricity bill. Mm-hmm. And then I gotta say, I love his library slash pool room. Oh, this guy's living life to the fullest. I mean, he's look at the fucking like liquor table he yeah. has there, dude. Yeah, I mean, would I would I kill a young sex worker for this 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 library? Oh, do I need to add this part out? Maybe. Oh yeah, so some serious scotch. He's twenty five years old, which might be too old for Ziegler. <laughs> is this a normal pool table, or is this one of those like big giant like Snickers tables? I can't really tell. I can't tell. Yeah, uh, but I like how he's like trying to have this awkward talk with uh, Tom, and Tom's just like playing playing it cool, playing it loose. And finally, he's like, "Please, Bill, no games. I was there at the house." It's like, of course, this fucking creep was. <laughs> I mean, just rewind back to when Ziegler's like, oh, Bill, I don't want to insult you by even bringing it up. But of course, you know, this is between us, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I will cut your dick off and put it in your mouth if you ever tell anyone about it. But then I love that line. How did, how did you know I was the standout? Well, these people arrive in limos. You showed up in a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, Do you think he's still a doctor after the events of this movie? I really wonder. Well... There's another big question about Bill after the events of this movie, but oh yeah, there is. But I I kind of feel like Ziegler is like, yeah, I'd, I totally own this guy. I definitely want him as oh, my doctor sure. now. You know? Yeah, for sure, he owns this guy. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's mafia. I don't think he's mafia at all. But like, it's like mafia doctor esque. But it's just yeah, like the level of control he has over the power him. that he has. Yeah. Which and and all the the potential for uh, reward, you know, like and you know they've got some kind of pictures too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You 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 get some cheddar. They keep mm-hmm. you invested. Yeah. Um. That's how it's so easy to stay down that rabbit hole. You just keep getting invited to that Christmas party every year. So maybe uh maybe like an invite to golf or something, you know. Get you some lucrative deals. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that Tom and Nicole's apartment needs to get any bigger. Seriously, they, they seem like they're doing okay for themselves. Seriously, they have a lot of fucking Buying art. giant Vincent Van Gogh books for people. <laughs> to go with the Vincent Van Goghs they have on their wall. Like, later on, she like checks the price of that giant teddy bear, and it's like, come on. Yeah, like I, I think afford- he can afford it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I think the whole thing is that they have to go back and buy it later without mm-hmm. the daughter. But yeah, they could buy that, that toy store. So, you know, he's trying to explain to him that, you know, it was an all an act just to spook you. <laughs> Nothing happened to that girl except she got her fucks her brains fucked out, period. So I like the like, what was the point of all this? And he's like, Well, it's to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> if you knew who not that I'm gonna tell you, but if you knew who some of those people were. Um, <laughs> uh, so he has to remind him that, you know, this is Mandy, the girl OD in the bathroom. And then it, it's like he's like, Oh shit, it all makes sense to me now. And it's like what did you think when you read the fucking article and went to the morgue, man? Mm-hmm. You were seriously thinking the, about Kate Blanchett's voice there. What do you think about the mask on the on the pillow? It's I love it. I, I purposely didn't put it in my top moments, but it would be number one. The only thing I dislike, and this is one of my complaints, is I don't like the shot of her in the mask before before he gets there. Yeah, it, it is a little weird. It that, ruins yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But the when he turns it and sees and it's like, oh fuck, and sees that mask laying. Well, on we the don't bed. really get it an explanation like well because he he must have left it somewhere in the house or was he put in that cabinet when he locked it all away I mean, two, two possibilities one somebody snuck into his house and put it there as a warning to him mm-hmm. which i think is what he thinks is happening the other potential possibility is that like she just found it and put it on the bed yeah as that's a way yeah that's that seems to me the more 
so I didn't logical way. But. I didn't get the uh, external menace. I got mm-hmm. more of this reminds him of how far down the rabbit hole he's gone, and he's not he's not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. The whole point of this to me is that Tom this Cruise, is not your world. Well, yeah. he's not Ziegler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't play in this world. So yeah, the mask is on the pillow. It's this empty identity he doesn't have. There is a funny bit right before that though. There's something comical to me about the image of Tom Cruise cracking open a can of Budweiser. Do you notice when he goes to the bar there, he just orders beer? Yeah. What, what will he have, sir? And he's like, beer. What's well, a movie? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it stuck out to me more than usual okay. in this movie. You know, it's Kubrick. Tom- it's Kubrick, so you got to say you planned it, you know. At the same time, though, in the real world, I feel like Tom Cruise would just say beer <laughs> if he actually went to a bar. Can you imagine him going to a bar? Just being out in public? Yeah. Like, can you imagine Tom Cruise like going to a Starbucks? No. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, I will have one Starbucks, please. Yeah. <laughs> and like do that weird smile that he has. Oh, and he's like, just <laughs> like, can you break a million dollar bill? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. You can have the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so, he, so she wakes up to her husband crying on the bed beside her, wailing, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> Big cucked energy there, man. Which is like not the weirdest thing that she's probably woken up to. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, seriously, he's a submissive little bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole movie takes place over what three and a half days ish, sure. Yeah. And then it's time to go shopping. Well, yeah. So they talk about it. She's she's got that great like I got woke up way too early and I've heard a story that I don't like and I am I am no makeup on furious. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they talk about it while they're shopping for their daughter for Christmas. This daughter's getting like everything for Christmas. Oh yeah, right. Like, oh especially yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but she actually at one point says maybe we should be grateful, and he's got to be like, "Holy fuck! I dodged a huge bullet. Mm-hmm. I dodged a goddamn missile in my marriage here." And so he's still sticking it to her a little bit with, you know, well, no dream is ever just a dream, and yet she's kind of reminding him that they're both. I think he wanted to just like I don't know establish it that they're like even now or something, you know. I think he's. I think he wanted to communicate that he was hurt. Yeah, yeah. And definitely that's what she told him that for, was mm. to hurt him. But she's the one who's like making the peace with, well, we're awake now. Mm. I do love you. And you know there's something very important we need to do as soon as possible. What's that? Fuck. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Uh, the ending, the, the mic drop of the ending there, I think is akin to probably how good the ending of Phantom Thread is. I'm trying to. Was there like a, a a hammer moment at the end of that? It's been I only saw it once. Kiss me, my dear. But that's not, that's not like the the, the absolute still, hammer though. Yeah, still it's it's hammer esque. It's it's a it's a. There's still like more after that. It's a bespoke, beautiful little hammer for mm-hmm. that movie. Um, and that's the movie. Yeah, 1999. What a year for for movies. Yeah. Well, so they filmed this for two years. They apparently had to edit it for so long that he was still able to go off and do Magnolia, <laughs> which still came out the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I saw Magnolia so many times in the theater. It's weird. It's not even that great of a movie. You know? No, but it was an I mean, event it, for me. It, yeah, it was a moment. I mean, all the Amy Mann stuff. Well, just that trailer. I'll mm-hmm. never forget that trailer and then opening of that movie. All right. Well, complaints. So my complaints slash changes are kind of pedestrian. I mean, on one hand, I'd say tighten up the editing. On the other hand, like you said, is this intentional? 
on one hand, I feel like the movie feels stilted or the performances are a little wooden. Is it meant to be artificial? Um, I would take out that shot of the mask beside Alice's sleeping form before he walks in because that just you're just stepping on your great moment there. Especially this is your big final catharsis moment. Um, and the other thing is, I know it's not the point of the story, but what if this was from Alice's perspective? Yeah. God forbid. What if, what if we got the interior life of this woman who has a sexuality that's been stunted by being a wife and mother to this this child of a man? What if? Yourself? Um, I mean, the the shot with the mask, you know, like it, it, it stuck out to me where you're watching. It's like, why did they cut to that? Like, why not say that till he walks in? You know? Yeah. It's like he didn't want it to be a thriller moment. Um, other than that, not really. No, I mean it's because it's Kubrick. It just feels almost like tacky, or I don't know. It's like, what are you, are you gonna tell him how to do his job, type of thing? You know? Yeah. Well, but it's it's this perfect. We don't know really. You know, it's the best of both worlds. Was this? It's, it's entirely possible that this is like actually kind of a mediocre work from an aging filmmaker. Yeah. That's like sloppy and loose and like needed a lot of work, but like nobody wants to say it, you know? And it's not, it's not, I mean, there's plenty of directors that just do like their weird horny movie Mm -hmm. as they get older, which this definitely is, but there is a lot more meat on these bones. Um, It's an experience. It's an experience, but I don't know, like, you know, 2019, is it the most woke movie? No, (laughs) no. All right. uh, Make one change. I feel like I should have a better one, but I'm just going to go with the mask. I'm getting away with that one insert of the mask. My one thought was that maybe they can change the color of the mysterious woman's hair to make her more visually distinct. But I think maybe that's the point is that yeah. she kind of looks like all the women he meets. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, power rankings. I've got 10. I got 12. Okay. And some of them are bullshit. Uh, so number 12, Ziegler. Oh, wow. Okay. Played by Sidney Pollack. What's funny to me is this is how I, before I knew Sidney Pollack was a director, like I'd seen movies he'd mm-hmm. done, but I didn't know that he directed them. I knew him as this actor in this movie. Um, and then in the years since, I've learned that there's a line that Pollock the director and Pollock the actor likes to work into all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Three Days of the Condor. It's in Michael Clayton that he doesn't say here. Mm. And so in retrospect, it's the, the line is, you guys think that not getting caught in a lie is the same as telling the truth? And I thought it was funny they didn't get to say it here where it might have worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number 11 of my bullshit rankings is Ziegler's library slash pool table room. Holy shit. Uh, what's your 10? My number 10 is the hotel clerk, Alan Cumming. Okay. I think he's having a little fun at Bill's expense there. I'm sad to say Alan Cumming is not on my list only because at the time where I was considering him, I was like, well... I only have 10 slots, and then mm-hmm. when I, when I add my bullshit. So my number 10, um, it's bunched together, is Ray Strabeja and the two Japanese businessmen. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number nine had Red Cloak. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. My number nine is Lily Sobieski. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't think I have her on here, although I guess I can include, include her in my number eight, which is Milich okay. uh, and his daughter. And just their weird energy. Yeah. Oh, you know who else that guy is? Um, oh God, he's Grigorovich as well. Uh, the wand maker in Deathly Hallows. Oh, okay. The other one. Well, what's funny is that he's a guy who has a look, 
And it's like he's maybe cut the hair a little shorter. I'm kind of amazed that like I don't think he was in the equalizer and it seems like he should have been, you know. Oh, at that at that point he's probably too old. Like he had like that 15 year window where he was like the like if John Wick had been made 10 years yeah. earlier, he would have been a John Wick baddie. He would have been the uh the guy who takes the call. Yeah. He's like John Wick. Your son stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. You need I'm to go. I'm trying to remember what, oh. <laughs> what Baba Yaga actually means. It's grandma something or other. Baba Yaga? It's like the boogeyman. But it, it translates literally as grandma something, like grandma nightmare or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's his name. Uh, my number eight is uh, Sandor, the Hungarian sex vampire and art lover. Okay. Yeah, I have him on my list, but a little bit higher. My number seven, I don't know. Maybe this is the right place for this guy. Nick Nightingale. Really? Yeah. Okay. My well, number seven is Domino and Sally. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got the Hungarian at six, just for that move where he uh, takes her champagne and drinks the whole thing all in one gulp while like looking at her. Yeah. So, with no names, we have a friend who I remember had an infatuation with a, a straight up creep, and it all started with because she was at a bar with somebody she was in a relationship with or some kind of connection with. Maybe they weren't actually dating. And this guy walked up to her in front of the other guy and in a gesture of overfamiliarity, asked how she was doing and caressed the back of her ear. Hmm. And for like the next year and a half, she was head over heels swooning for that guy based on that move. It happens. Uh, number six, I have Marion. Oh, I do not have Marion on my list. That's a that's a crime. Yeah, I've got Domino and Sally at five. Okay, five. What, I have what fun roommates. I'd watch their show. They're like sitcom. Are they both uh, ladies of the evening? Just one. Well, if not, Domino's bringing home some real stories, and unfortunately, she's also bringing home some Johns. Yeah, and it's like you walk and, and in and a disease. Yeah, you have to go through the kitchen to. I wouldn't be shocked if they only have one bedroom too. Oh, they probably had the. Uh, like the curtain or the blanket Ooh. that they hang off, you know? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, talk about, like, economic disparity between these poor women. This is New York, though, as mm-hmm. opposed to L.A. where you have space. Um, Not that much space. In my number five, Dr. William Hartford. Okay. Interesting. I wonder who your top four are. I already know I have one that's uh, on my list that is in a different place on yours. Okay. Uh, but number four, I have the mysterious woman. Sadly, neither Mandy nor the mysterious woman is on my list. Yeah. My number four is, you know, as you mentioned him already, according to IMDb, this character is called Red Cloak, the master of ceremonies, I guess you could say. I love that guy. How does one get that job? How does one get that job? First of all, you have that voice. Um, yeah. So my number three was Dr. Bill Harford. Okay. My number three is this. Oops, hold on. <laughs> That's my number three. <laughs> Very well. You're going to hate my number two. Let's find out. Alice Harford. The shit is your number one. Good question, is, is it? Is it Ziegler? We'll just have you to find sick out. bitch. Is it Ziegler? We'll just have to find out. My number two is Nick Nightingale. Oh, okay. So you got Nightingale pretty high there. I I don't know why, because 
there's something about this guy. He's got like a we look. all kind of want to be Nick Nightingale. He's got a look that I hate, and yet he's getting shit done. He's pretty cool. Like I said, once Tom has like got his like arm around him, and Nick Nightingale's like, "No, cat, I got, <laughs> do you dig? I've got my hands in my pockets here." See, I, it's like okay, he's got a thing going. Mm-hmm. He's clearly fucking the girl who works the cafe next door. He's a pianist. Yes, he is blindfolded. Mm-hmm. My number one. Hands. Is Victor Ziegler. Okay. Uh, he's just, uh, he just radiates a certain something. Like, I feel like uh, he's the guy I'd want explaining like an insane conspiracy to me, you know, and tell me how the world works. Okay. In general, I don't, I, I have higher choices for that than, yeah, than really? Sydney Paul. Oh, it'd be, it'd be Terry Frank Langella. It'd be Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> he has like him and Frank Langella. I feel like they're, they're channeling the same. Like on like old man rich energy. If I ever find myself somewhere in the cogs of geopolitical intrigue mm-hmm. where the Illuminati like somehow I'm still alive and I can maybe stop the Illuminati, I need Terry O'Quinn and BD Wong over here explaining to me the history of the world. I'm totally into that. Um yeah, my number one is Alice Harford. Mm-hmm. I mean she's pretty great. She's she's this rewatching this movie reawoke some things in me. Mm-hmm. It's weird to watch her. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, that's why I had a massive crush on Nicole Kidman. Oh, I, I already did at this point, but yeah, this was just like... I, mean, I think To Die For is where it began, but yeah. You know, I've never seen To Die For. Mm. Isn't that weird? You might like it. Um, I think Far and Away is where mine started. Oh, yeah, to be fair, Far and Away, there's that too. Of all things. but uh, And maybe Days of Thunder. I didn't like Days of Thunder. I liked her I Days watched of the whole Thunder. thing. I just, his, his character, like Dick Trickle or whatever he's playing... <laughs> Oh no, that's the real guy. It seems like Cole something. But I was just like, I don't know. NASCAR sucks. Dick Trickle's a real person. Okay, you can't have a name like Dick Trickle. You can if you're in NASCAR. No, Days of Thunder is stupid. Yeah, but she's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, watching her like evolve to like an actor playing a very interesting role, like Big Little Lies. But yeah, no, this movie reawoke some things in me. Should we go see Bombshell? It's a movie I'll definitely see. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater, but I'll see that for sure. It's one of those ones where it's like, it looks like it's good, but like, do I really want to like luxuriate in such a creepy situation? You know, I like, mean, do I, I, I want to go live that on screen? I think the subversive act is just putting a movie like that out yeah. in 2019. The guy they cast for Roger Ailes is so fucking gross. John Lithgow? Yeah. With the makeup and yeah. everything. Well, yeah. Because Roger Ailes is a fucking disgusting And it's not creep. just like physically. Yeah. You know, it's just in general, Roger Ailes is a disgusting creature. It seems like the role, like the real juicy role in that is Charlize. And, and Margot Robbie, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, Charlize has really inhabited, what's her name? Megan Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I didn't answer questions. Did they really kill her? Did they kill Nick Nightingale? As opposed to just putting him on a plane? Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. That's easily checked. You know what I mean? Like, like but Bill, Har- Bill Harford could figure but, that out, but he won't. But if you're Bill Harford, do you check? Or do you, do you want to, you're like, you know what? I'm going to not check. Well, I think in general. I'm going to enjoy my upper middle class life with my wife and just not dig any deeper. I honestly think he's he's so thankful to not have lost her. Mm-hmm. He's completely forgotten about this plot. 
I don't think Bo Har- Harford is as concerned for his own safety as he should be. Because <laughs> he lives, he thinks yeah, he's he walks, a doctor. Yeah. He thinks he walks in the fucking raindrops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Do they get divorced? Yes, but not right away. Mm, like okay. like seven years later. Mm. Don't when you the think? doctor when the daughter goes off to college. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and Nicole finds a real man, or just oh, decides a real man. Wow. Okay. Or just decides she can do better. She's tired of Tom's bullshit. He'll probably have an affair. Probably eventually, yeah. I don't know if it's so much about her deciding that she can do better. I feel like what she was more expressing was like that she still has sexual desires that he, not that he can't meet them, but that just that, that are beyond him, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which is a very normal thing. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, it's not just that. I think he just saw her as a sexual being for him. Like she's just there to be like his fucking chalice or whatever. Well, he's not. He can't really comprehend, and is like just you know traumatized by the idea that she thinks about other men besides him. Yeah, and has ever thought about yeah. other men besides him. Yeah. Well, like if she had said like, "Oh, here's a here's a Harrison Ford movie on TV. I have a crush on him." He'd be like, "What? You're my wife, Alice." Yeah. <laughs> but and I feel like that's all because he doesn't want to acknowledge his own desires you know so he has to pretend that she is pure so that he can pretend to be pure as well yeah that's why speaking of that word that's why i think this is a great christmas movie Mm -hmm. because we always presume that christmas is like this like pure angelic thing and it's fucked up really it's the darkest time of the year we we put on lights to confuse ourselves anti-christmas huh i'm 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 more of a spooky christmas guy than a bright and happy everything's my favorite holiday Really? Mm-hmm. I like Christmas. Okay. You're going to go real Christmassy this year? I put out some decorations. Where's your tree? Eh, I'm not going to get a tree. You're so Christmassy. Where's your tree? I'm too busy for a tree. I should get a tree, but I don't know. You're good. I like trees. Well, my tree. parents will have a tree. I'll go over there. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. When you drink get your some, cat, when you get drink some eggnog. Yeah. Buy yourself Who some. doesn't like Christmas? 151. I, I don't even mind Christmas music, you know? Okay. Let's, mm-hmm. let's play some. Um, speaking of music, the uh, Waltz 2 from Jazz Suite, it's like kind of Christmassy, but not. Yeah. That's That's been in other Christmas movies, though, right? Like, it Probably. seems very familiar. Probably. I'm not sure. I mean, I have. Do I have this entire soundtrack in my iTunes? Yes, I do. Okay. Have I had it for years, even though I haven't seen the movie in 10 years before today? Yes, I do. All right. Well, would you recommend this movie? Hell yeah. I I mean I don't know like if you're a young person who's never seen this before I I, I don't know if there's like a caveat that I need to throw at you I in 2019 I, I kind of wonder if, if for someone who hasn't seen it and watched it now does the stuff like the orgy scene does it seem like have you seen it referenced in other things so many times Probably, yeah yeah you know that it's just kind of like, been like oh. a South Park joke yeah. that you've seen yeah I mean and we don't need to attack that poor young woman but like there are people who don't know who van halen is so it's very like there's people who have not seen this movie that poor young woman what i mean the, the, oh they're gonna kill that poor woman <laughs> the response has been like ludicrous you know it's, is it ludicrous is it ludicrous or is it like 10 people on twitter said something i don't know i don't think van halen is sometimes i wish i wasn't canonized sometimes i wish it wasn't so extremely online you know me too just you though mm-hmm. um but yeah i would recommend this you yeah i mean Kubrick is, uh, he's doing something, you know, and I, 
like I said, I, I can't say for certain, like it's possible that like, we're all just like jerking ourselves off over like a mediocre work and like, you know, like refuse to see that the emperor has no clothes. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like there's something about the way he shoots his movies that it elicits like kind of like a weird kind of a uh, almost intoxicating reaction just like the experience of watching one of his movies, even if it might not even be a good movie, you know? Is it sad that you said that and all I could hear was, uh, you realizing that I'm not wearing clothes will be your undoing. What is that from? It's supposed to be the emperor not wearing clothes. Is that the end of that? No. Are you doing a Palpatine? Okay, right. Okay, yeah, sorry. I get it now. (laughs) Sorry for stepping on your joke. Yeah. Jesus, it's like constant sex machine Ian McDermott saying, Roll it again. I wish they would bring him out for press stuff. I mean, obviously, they can't. Well, I mean, they let Adam Driver free for like two seconds. And he's oh, and he just, had fun of it. He's just like, I'm telling you everything practically. Well, he's he's also getting a little saucy. Like, mm-hmm. what does Ben Solo need to be redeemed for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben Solo. <laughs> Kyler Ren did nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Ray, I, Ray needs to be redeemed, I, not me. And I will say, like, I think a lot of my dislike of him was was girls, like in the kind of character he played and uh, the impression I got of like who he. Well, could just be. the uh, but, like marriage story. Whole he's scene, great. Like the 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 people in girls, like the kind of Bushwick hipster. Yeah, I'm always always like just out and 100 percent on those kind of people. You know, and there's. I think you and I watched the first episode. I tried watching. I made it like 10 minutes in. And I was just like, I can't do I it. I think, well, I, I watched the, at least the first episode and there's, there's a bit where he's like having a very uncomfortable sex scene of Lena Dunham. And I was just like, I hate everything about this guy. And I always will. But then like, I see like marriage story and he's fantastic in that movie. And again, the movies, it's his movie. She's unfortunately an ornament to, to it, but that makes sense. I mean, it's a bomb rock movie. You kind of yeah. want, oh, obviously she's playing Jennifer Jason Lee. You kind of want like Jennifer Jason Lee to make her movie, you know, yeah. kind of like her. And uh, I mean, that means like it, and it's, lots of translation. It's like 55% him, 45% her. It's not, she's not a total ornament. Uh, that's unfair, but it's definitely more, even though they give him a lot of bad details, we're definitely on his journey. It is interesting that Scarjo's in this too, when she's in both the uh, loss and translation to her as well, you know? Yeah. I was like, I could just, I don't know. Scarjo has a very interesting career. She just has made some real fucking whopping mistakes in interviews and roles. I feel like with Scarjo, it's like, if I could just never like read or hear anything from the real person, Mm. you know, like, I don't know. I feel like she takes really interesting roles, but she's maybe the reason she goes where she goes acting wise is because she had like I don't know. She's the kind of person who doesn't see anything wrong with playing an Asian woman, you know. Like at least Tilda Swinton, yeah, reached out to somebody about why the Ancient One was problematic, mm-hmm. you know. And ScarJo and like Ghost in the Shell. I think that was the first real misstep. And then was when she was cast as a trans person, and and was like, well, why don't Woody you give, Allen? Yeah, why don't you give Felicity Huffman a hard time? And then Woody Allen, yeah. So she had like a trifecta of mm-hmm. these are not great choices. Her publicist, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, like uh, I couldn't enjoy her because I just don't like Walking Phoenix. But maybe Marriage Story can be like the the true uh, companion piece to Lost in Translation. Especially considering like that marriage ended like a year later, I'm sure. Her and, and, and the Spike Jones esque character 
in that movie. Right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, only then while she was doing it, like the Giovanni Ribisi character no, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, like just be <laughs> like, obviously, it's Sofia Copeland and Spike Jones, but like yeah. the Giovanni Ribisi character is so shitty and like doesn't care who she is. Like, yeah, that it's marriage putting is, weird product in his hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, like hanging out with uh, I can't remember what's her name, Anna Faris, Anna Faris yeah, playing basically Cameron Diaz, basically, yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think we're going to do some sort of end of the year Q&A. Maybe we'll take questions or maybe we'll just make up our own. I don't know. I I, I want to do like a it's it's the end of the decade. So we got I feel like we got to do our top 10. Maybe top 10. Is this the end of the decade? Yeah. You know, because it's 20. That's the new decade. Is that? Yeah. I mean, that's how we count the millennium. So. That's how we counted it. But yeah. I mean, is that actually right? According to who? Would, I mean, wouldn't year 10 be the last year? Of ten years, we we counted two thousand as the new millennium. So because there's no year zero, okay. You know, I uh, know, top ten movies, maybe like top five TV shows. So you don't want to talk about uh, what's that movie, Rise of Skywalker? I mean, we will do that. Let's put it that way. But besides that, I want to do just like a, a year in, where 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 it's just like you know Q and A, top top list that kind of thing. Those are easy to do. We don't have to prepare for those. Okay. Well, I think you do when you're asking someone to come up with 10 movies from the... From the decade? From I mean, decade. I have like 20 right now. I already made a list. Oh, yeah? Do you want to share yeah. them? Well, no, because it's, it's stay tuned, you know? Okay. I mean, obviously, we can do our honorable mentions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I figure maybe like top 10 movies, top five TV shows, top five albums. Yeah. Yeah. I think music is too... It's too sp- splintered and fractured and I don't think buried. They, I don't th- see anything wrong with listing them. Obviously it's I guess I should say these are like favorites. Let's put it that way. Okay. So there's no pressure to be like this is the canonical you know like I'm going to have some stuff on my top 10 list that is probably not on most critics top 10 list. Let's put it that way. You know? Oh yeah. Hot takes. Trends. Mm-hmm. Okay cool. Yeah. And blaze those trails. Mm-hmm. Oh oh and for the TV thing I was thinking just to uh to narrow it down a little bit, I think the show needs to start in 2010 or later. So that means like no loss, no Mad Men. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably fine. Okay. <laughs> That'll be fun in this year of our Lord 2019 when there's what, like a thousand fucking TV shows on and they're all terrible. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm sure we can come up with five. See what we can do. I already know one. I guess I can think of two that we talk about each week. Well, sort of. What are those? The, we talk about one, and we talk about the other one, and you're like, oh, I'm only four episodes behind. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about one ahead. that we might have done an entire podcast about. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right in 2010. 2010, yeah. Okay. And yes, that is on my top five. Take right. that, critics. All right. Ooh. All right. Yeah, so there you go. Preview number five The Perfectionist. <laughs> 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 yeah we will definitely do a low rise of skywalker episode but also like a year-end one post on new year's or something like that um yeah yeah we're, we're also we'll be uh journeying to galaxy's edge soon so check out guys, our, our other stars podcast for do you guys listening think they're going to do a hastings and hastings spinoff i mean 
Here's my what thing. What would that be? I guess, Nolan North know? made a joke based on Marlene saying she's like stressing out because she's on the verge of working on a new show or probably pushing to a network. And then Leslie Farah did like a whole nostalgic Hastings thing on Instagram. It just made me wonder. Well, I think what we've talked about before, if you have almost the entire family in a law firm and like, for example, they all have like uh, private eyes following each other. I don't know. I just depending on depending on which tone you want to go to, there's like so many versions of that show you can make that would work. But it would it could be the new scandal. I wouldn't want it to be scandal. I don't know. Do you even have a sense of what scandal is? I watched like one episode. Okay. I was just like, nah. Okay. All right. Well, so something will happen from us at some point. Probably Star Wars first, considering we're going to see Yasdash. Journey nears its end. Yes, because our journey nears its end. All right. Well, we'll be back later. It's a good impression of that, that like voracious sexual animal, Ian McDermott there. Sheev. Yeah, Sheev. Our boy Sheev. Big, big Dick Sheev. Big Dick Sheev. Long have I waited. Yeah, you're going to get sheaved. Yeah. To orgasm. Ooh. Mm. That got weird. Yeah. She was like, have you seen his sculpture garden? <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Kyler Ren's like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's my glass. And she was like, I'm almost positive it is. <laughs> and he drinks it in front of him. That's how it ends. <laughs> Can't wait for more Kyler Ren. I want to make jokes, but they're all based on like possibly bullshit, like leaks. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to do it. All right, we'll be back. Bye. Later.